having woken up after 30 years have passed in our uh-huh. lifetimes and we've all become massive war criminals, I am surrounded <laughs> by a table of people trying to answer for crimes we didn't even commit. Um, with me, as always, is Janos. Say hello. hello. Holly. Hello. And Kiwi. Hello. Welcome to Hated and Feared. After you, like, fumbled the intro so badly, it, like, two seconds <laughs> before, I thought you were gonna explain that you just woke up, and that's why you're doing such a bad job at uh, introing, but it was actually great. No, you, I you took really, some strange yeah, pills back. last night, and I'm still slightly <laughs> feeling the effects of that. <laughs> Damorgus poisoned you. I, I fell into the river the other night, and they had to do CPR on me, but now I can see the future, so... Ooh! It's pretty cool, I only see it like five seconds uh, into the future, and it's always like very banal things, like... Uh, it's, it's not really uh, worthwhile. Um, but uh, it helps the filmmakers to film less stuff, so they can just replay it. <laughs> Can I think at some point you may be able to split your being into sort of tentacles and save <laughs> four different girls all at once? I don't three know different how girls. Did that. <laughs> well, don't, don't worry, it won't look very good either. So it was so cool that like the all, all the times she the, they they showed her powers, it was like a glass broke and it looked like a spider web. Uh, and it was all like things that looked like very meaningfully looked like spider webs. So I like that. Or, uh, about Madame very Web. meaningly, very yes. meaningfully to do with uh, a, a certain Spider Man who isn't born yet. Now, what what is this? Some He's kind of spider cooking. person? How can um, he climb I've the walls opened, like that? I've opened up an article called 10 Things Madame Webb Does Right Despite Its Disappointing Reviews from Screen. Okay. And I haven't seen this, but Ezekiel vs. the Cops is the movie's most effective action <laughs> sequence. It's number 10. What is the, mo- okay. the movie's most effective can sequence? This is this is Madame what's Webb her name holding a can. Small yeah, I, I, Nick, I can't read the label on that. Uh, I don't think you do. Oh, this sorry, <laughs> sorry. Here, <laughs> I have to make it more obvious. I I liked that. Uh, I liked that it was like, uh, oh, d- don't you think I can have a beer? And then they were like, no, because this is still a movie for children. We can't. Despite show the guy behind her holding a beer. And then she goes through the whole scene just holding the Pepsi, the Pepsi from the top of it. That's like, at great. one point she's, like, holding it with both her hands. She never opens it. In the next scene, it is sitting on the coffee table next to her. I, this can became the most fascinating part of the movie for me. Because then an emergency is called, and she grabs the can on her way out. It's still unopened. Dakota Johnson does not know why she was given a Pepsi. <laughs> yeah, good thing she didn't actually drink. Pe- I I laughed out loud when she was like warning her colleague that he's gonna he shouldn't uh, go behind the wheel. Uh, but then he still drives, and like a half second later, a truck like hits the ambulance. <laughs> like, but it looked like exactly like in like poor black mock up when the bus <laughs> hit his mother. When the bus hits his wife, <laughs> or his wife. Yeah, wait. No, I I think he divorced his wife and the bus hit his mother. His like he he, yeah. he 
This is the yeah. start of Paul Blart Mall Cop 2. Um, what, what else did Madame Webb get right? Uh, ben Parker hasn't been seen in his prime on screen before. And it has a note that's saying true. That's Ben true. Parker uh, is Spider-Man's Uncle Ben. <laughs> <laughs> it's a crucial Confirmed. plot point. The, the movie is like, it's uh, his... Uh, his sister is expecting a child, and she's very pregnant, and then they do, like, a party guessing game of, like, she already knows what the child's gonna be called, and then they're all like, uh, is it gonna be David? No, it's not David. Oh, Richard? No, I mean, his dad would love that, <laughs> but no. Uh, and then, and then Madame Webb, like, I think she's about to make a guess or something, and then the and then she it turns out she saw the future and then the ambulance comes and then we never learn through the entire movie what the child is gonna be called because they they're not allowed to say Spider Man or Peter Parker. It's insane to have your character developing their precognitive powers and they don't just guess the baby name. But <laughs> <No>. you <laughs> like, can't see that them. that far in the future because she because because she can only see the future up to uh, what will actually. Ha- it's very. It's very like the future is gonna be meaningful, like because it hasn't ha- like that's the final line of the movie. You know the best thing about the future is that it hasn't happened yet. Um, Madam Web avoids incomprehensible CGI fights. That's true. I sure there's there's only like two fights in the yeah. entire movie, so yeah. And it's very cool that the last fight is like on the Pepsi sign because Pepsi is like a sponsor of the movie. The biggest sponsor a movie has ever had. And the the main villain gets crushed by Ezekiel... Uh, I was gonna say Ezekiel Elliott, but that's a football player. What's his name? Ezekiel Sims. Ezekiel Sims gets crushed by the P. <laughs> it's not a joke. It's the... <laughs> Pepsi brings justice to the world. That's what I'm hearing. <laughs> I think it's very funny how much the like product placement stood out to... Yeah, you because I did not notice it at all. <laughs> it was I just never the main. That it's stuff. what the movie's about, Kiwi. It's the no, main like, theme of the movie is Pepsi. And I was like, oh I yeah, mean, that, I, that did happen a lot. When they were <laughs> at just, the party, I was like, oh, it's weird that she'd be drinking like Pepsi and not Coke because I'm I'm a Coke guy. I'm gonna be honest. Uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, I, most I, people I always, are. Yeah. So I was like, that's weird that they're drinking Pepsi at the party, but whatever. And then I saw that there's, like, the Pepsi factory, and then I just, like, kept noticing it. Like, it just kept going. Madam Web expanded the spider family. I guess, but we don't know well. how. Like, we, we meet three future spider girls or spider women, but the movie ends before they actually become, like, get spider powers like it's just that madame oh, web wait, sees <laughs> she sees that in the future they're gonna have spider powers and the villain also has like precognitive nightmares about how they're gonna kill him in the future they never they never have powers in the film itself though in the in the current time that the movie is taking place and they don't learn get either to do like, anything that really has anything to do with the plot aside from being <laughs> They don't find from out. One it's spot just to another. It's just Madame Webb uh, smirking to herself and being like, "Oh yeah, I can see that you're gonna become something big in the future, and you know that your futures are entangled with mine because my web connects 
all of us. Our web connects them all. It's I do have. Important. I want to go yeah. back to Pepsi for a second because I want to say that, uh, <laughs> like, you know, a lot of movies, you know, New York is is a, it's like a character. And Madam Web takes true. place in New York, and it's not like a character at all. But Pepsi is like a, a fifth character. New York is so Pepsi much not the character like that for some reason they set it like two years after 9-11 and she is a paramedic. So you'd think it would come up. <laughs> <laughs> With precognitive <Yeah>. abilities. <laughs> they didn't have to Do set it in Madame that Web year. you think Madam Web saw 9-11 coming? Yeah, could Madam Web have stopped 9-11? Um, oh. Madam Web was okay. primarily a feminist adventure. So true. <laughs> yeah, I. There, there, there were, were four there. women there. <laughs> Madam Web gave the character an origin story. <laughs> um. Okay. I don't. I, I, I don't mean. know if that's true. I feel true, like that's the bare minimum. Maybe. <laughs> Madam Web does not demand prior knowledge. True. Do, Madam Web doesn't. And you don't need knowledge. Yeah. Okay. You don't need to know I anything. I mean, you do to need to. Here's the thing: you don't get the P- the, the Parker stuff ex- explained, like why his uncle Ben. So you know, it does. You do need demand, to know that Peter Parker there's... has an uncle Ben to get yeah. like a third of what the movie. There's a bit to where do. she learns from the where she fucks off to Peru while the teenagers are being in danger from the villain, and she they knows live that. with Uncle Ben for like three weeks while she's gone. <laughs> yeah, this guy with no superpowers who also. <laughs> Uh, has a pregnant sister, a very pregnant sister, uh, who he also needs to, like, he can protect them while I, I fuck off to Peru, and there she learns from <laughs> the uh, ancient spider people, the boss of the ancient spider people that have been in the Peruvian forest, uh, that, uh, with, uh, what, what was it she learned? Uh, if you have if you take on the responsibility, great power will come. Mm, <laughs> yes. Madam you have Web to get the wording on that just right. Or else it sounds like accurate. someone else's statement. Had what? Spider-women costumes. Oh, firework. Good, good, oh, go comic-accurate Spider-women costumes. Comic-accurate yeah. Spider-women costumes. I, but... Uh, d- in, in a dream sequence of the future, yeah. I'm never in the actual present yeah, of the movie. S- <clears throat> number one number best thing one, about yes the best thing about madam web according to screen rat madam web attempted to establish spider law attempted <laughs> attempted <laughs> they tried attempted I, I mean, did it? there were spider people <laughs> in africa is the is the lore I, I i i was laughing out loud when i saw when they first saw those spider people like it's just such like I just re- I mean I loved Madame Web. Here's the thing. I I I I thought Madame Web was a great film. I had a had a great time at the movies. Um I I saw it day 1 in IMAX. And it was well worth it. Valentine's Day. <laughs> Nobody uh, else yeah. was there. I saw it like day 5 or something, but like still opening week and there were like three other people at my showing. Which is a shame because I do want the sequel. Like I okay, so I saw two like interview clips that were going around of like the other women from the film that were not Dakota Johnson. Mm-hmm. One was just Sydney Sweeney, and she said she had to beg for her character to get to be upside down <laughs> in the film. Um, 
she was like, my character's always upside down in the comic. Like, I don't get it. Why wouldn't they? And it's well, like, because yeah, it's a it's spider person. Because your character <laughs> oh, yeah. doesn't become that. Like, that's the next movie. This is the, this is the prequel flashback. Like, yeah. And then the other thing was that uh, the three of them have a group chat, but Dakota Johnson won't answer their text. That's so funny. Which is very funny. I mean, but that's, that's the funny. exact, like, it really nails that character. I loved Dakota Johnson in it. Like, she was so... She's so Uninterested funny. in the, it. The, like, the bit where she, like, tries to climb the wall and just... That was good. Yeah. Like there were a couple of like intentional jokes that actually landed. Like that was a that was a big laugh, and there was the other part where, uh, where the where she talks to the pregnant woman, uh, and uh, and she's like, "Oh, my mom died in childbirth." Oh, but actually, it's very rare. Childbirth is death in childbirth is very rare, so don't worry. It's highly <laughs> yeah, unlikely. It was- she literally says it's my mom's fault for dying because she was in the Peruvian rainforest. <laughs> also, uh, important to note, uh, Uncle Ben has a girlfriend that he's getting serious about, but he refuses to say the name of. Yeah. To uh, <laughs> so just uh, just more stuff that for some reason they didn't want to say, like. Uncle Ben is there. I mean, if they, Why can't you say May? If they somehow don't get, because the obvious sequel setup is that it's going to be the Spider Women movie, and and Madame Web is still there, like the supporting character, or as like the, uh, you know, it's kind of like the Bat Girls, or like uh, 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 what what's the the other like female superhero Birds team Birds of Prey, where like Oracle is like pulling the strings well, from behind. Well, there was like a. There was a theory going around Twitter for a couple days that the entire Sony cinematic spider universe is stealing its plot from uh, Gail Simone books, including Birds of Prey, and that, like, the Sinister Six they're building up to is just gonna be her secret six snagged, which would be funny, but, like, also, like, how do you prove that? I mean, this is, I'm honest, I'm already more invested in this universe than the regular MCU. Yeah, bring on uh, Craven. Oh my god. I think we should maybe move on to other news though, because we got Oh, is there any news? <laughs> We've got um news. there was the the wedding special announcement, which is yeah. cool. Um oh, yeah. Deacon Destiny's wedding, which happened earlier in the timeline than we are, is gonna be the like pride issue for this year for Marvel. Which is cool. I um, like that. The ninety-seven tra- X Men ninety-seven trailer dropped. Um, a lot of people online had a lot of feelings about that, but mostly it was just people not knowing what the fuck the X Men are and losing their mind to like funny canon shit, like at Professor X strangling his sister in the womb with their yeah. umbilical cords. <laughs> um, and then actually, that's it. That's all the news. Yeah, I don't care <laughs> about any news. of that shit. I only care about. Uh... About the Madame Web uh, universe, uh, I'm looking at I'm looking at who's uh, what the Craven the Hunter movie is. The, the thing is, uh, the the director of Madame Web hasn't directed anything else of uh, of note. Uh, the director of Craven the Hunter has like some like m- serious like mid budget that dramas that were like you know seven out of ten, like you know have like a seventy something percent Rotten Tomatoes rating like the. The most like baseline, uh, alright movies, 
so I don't know if it's going to be as funny. Uh, but Russell Crowe plays uh, Craven's dad, so. There also, Craven is like a wildlife preservation guy in well, this movie. Well, that's part of the, the thing people stole from the Sinister Six origin, because that's, oh, that's Catman. The, that's Catman's origin that Gail Simone yeah. wrote for her, like, Sinister Six, like, reboot of that character. Yeah. I go oh, to yeah. the Craven the Hunter movie, and I want wildlife preservationist Craven. I want to root for yeah. my, my, my... Yes, yeah, just gonna be the good guy. Who, who protects the lions or whatever. And yeah, they're trying to build out, like, an anti-hero universe, where everyone is a good guy, but they're also just, like, a dick about it. And I think that's... Venom. Maybe we'll have more interesting results. <laughs> we've got guy who... Mobius, Morbius... I do love Venom. Like Venom, Venom slaps. Madame Web kind of had the Venom juice. Like I, I, I enjoyed oh, it in a similar uh, way. The, the so Venom momentum, some might say. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I don't care about Morbius. Uh, I'm not, not interested in watching that. Uh, I hope they kick that guy off the, off the, out of this universe. Uh, Craven the Hunter is gonna be played by Aaron Taylor Johnson, who was, uh, uh, uh what's his name? Scarlet Witch's brother. Oh, Quicksilver. Quicksilver. Yeah. Quicksilver. In the MCU. X-Men podcast. <laughs> and he's kick-ass in kick-ass. Oh, I forgot. Yeah, I should, have said, I, should, I should have said the unlikely romance of... Um, why am I so bad in names? In, like, fucking Uncanny Avengers. Oh, yeah, Monet and Quicksilver, yeah. There's yeah. just too many fucking names. It's impossible to remember them all. True. Anyway, let's talk about comics. We want to talk about comics. <laughs> Which... It's just, like, most of these... Most of the comics We're, this I, week are, like, so dire. Like, that's why I'm so invigorated by Madame Webb. <laughs> <laughs> the, the fresh take on storytelling that was Madame Webb yeah. is really... It's hard to pull your focus away from that <laughs> one, too. Like, these more, like, typical story beats that we're seeing in these other books. X-Men! Okay, X-Force, uh, uh, 49, Benjamin Percy, Robot Kill, Colors by Guru FX, uh, Young Beast meets up with Wonder Man and tracks down Evil Beast who's building a black hole gun to shoot at, at Araco. X-Force track down Young Beast and prepare to kill him. That's it. Um, uh, I, it's, it's fun to have Beast running around in the, the light coat. And, yeah, uh, the coat was cool. Those, that's, that sequence of him look. on the rooftop is the best part of the book. Um, it just, it's kind I don't of so know boring, Man. right? He's like, fine. Yeah. Who cares about Wonder Man? Uh, I mean, I like the cover. I think the cover is really good. Like the cover of this book is is my highlight. Uh, this is by Daniel Acuna, uh, and it's like throws back to like a classic image of when they were in. Were they the Avengers or the Defenders? They were the uh, the Defenders. Yeah. I can tell you, I I made a spreadsheet of it this week of all the X books, so okay. I can tell you which specific defenders issues if i pull it up 
my thing with X Force is it's just so uninteresting. Uh, like <laughs> we talked about this last week, where I, some of you guys were, oh, maybe maybe this young beast is gonna become evil as well, or it's gonna be like more morally. It really doesn't seem like that. It doesn't I think seem there's like, like gonna get that. There's one tiny thing here that I kind of clung to for that, which is there's the bit where um, he like steals the boat to go out on the ocean and stealing a boat, not a, I, I, not a crime I actually care about, but uh, it is like <laughs> Wonder Man being like, hey, you shouldn't do that. And him being like, no, we need to go now. Um, it doesn't matter, you know, and it's kind of him going straight back to the, like, taking the shortcut to do what he needs, he thinks he needs to do. But I think I'm being you generous. You can't pull it and... Like, fucking Madame Webb did that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> she did steal multiple cars, yeah. So, uh, the Defenders issues that Beast and Iceman are on the team for Wonder from Man. the 80s that this is pulling for, and Wonder Man. Oh, okay. Uh is Defenders 103 to 124, and then it continues number-wise in New Defenders 125 to 152. Uh, so that is, yeah, that is the run that it's, was it's mentioned like, in the last X-Force that yeah, you got taken like from. Yeah, it's like 50 comics from, like, the late 80s. Yeah. Like, right I've... before X-Factor happens. <laughs> so literally everything Beast has done in the X-Men since... He left the team as, like, a teen has happened since then. Like, there's very little Beast X-Men content that this Beast knows about him doing. Yeah. Do you think Um, his body's still, like, 40 years older, too? I guess. (laughs) Like, that would be fucked. I mean, has he been resurrected? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and this is a one. this is a clone for older beast, right? That they stole. Yeah, this is like yeah, one of the last one or the last one or whatever. Oh yeah, that's why the of... yeah, that's why the evil beast or the current day the bad beast doesn't need his glasses because he fixed it in resurrection or some shit. Yeah, but I'm on team that this beast is just gonna stay a good guy right now. He's gonna stay, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just like, what was the point of this then, right? Like, of this whole beast arc, if if we're resetting him, it just feels like a bit of a coward's way out. I, but I also think that at the same time, the evil beast currently is has also become so boring. Like, at, at, at the beginning, he was like really interesting when he was doing this shady shit and it was like oh how much can we excuse it now he's just like wearing this biotech suit and like shooting it like shooting guns and just yeah and we know that he's everything. not gonna like we know he's not putting Arako in a black hole because we know what's happening next in the series yeah. already because of all the other <laughs> oh, books yeah. being farther along so it's not like like, I don't know. I guess, like, I don't know. <laughs> That's a- <laughs> Like, the last time this beast has been, like, at least entertaining was when he ate that lobster. But... Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know, just... I like that just he has a being, big bomb a little bit. Being a gun guy is just... huge. Like, a, sh- a, 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 a let's, let's shoot Erako. Just, whatever. 
Beast Girl. I'm like done blow. with this comic. Um, uh, he's just he's just doing villain stuff, you know. It's it, I think this would work better if it didn't come at the same time as like there was like Orcus winning and like a Dominion being created. Yeah, because it because like. If you look or even Sabertooth. Like, yeah, or even yeah it doesn't really feel like Beast is much of a threat at all. It's just like paying attention to all the other books has deflated any sort of threat this character could have right now. Yeah, exactly. We just need to get him you off the right. table so we can move on with the story is really what it feels like. Which they are already doing. It, yeah, yeah, and it's like uh, unfortunate as a reader, but it's also it's like also understandable. Yeah, and I'm happy to to move on from this beast. <laughs> yeah, R.I.P. Beast. Um, I I miss when you it was cool that you were evil. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's I don't know. The young beast is like kind of fun, but like I don't. It just feels like. I mean, like, does he have stands? Like, is this is there like a section of the fandom who is like just cheering for uh, the, for good beast? Yeah, apparently. I think every every single X Men character has stands for every era that they've existed. <laughs> like, I guess it's the same people who are cheering for original X Men. Yeah. Yeah, probably. I, I did the the bit where he, he's just like talking to Wonder Man for the first time, and he's like, "Oh man, we we were such good buddies, and you know, like what what's up with you?" And Wonder Man's just like, I, "Man, I don't fucking know you, and like it's been so long ago, <laughs> and I don't even yeah. do superhero shit anymore." It's like that's a fun like scene. Um, and like a, a, a nice little dynamic but that's like three pages of the book and the, the little bit about like um, you know Wolverine and Sage and like oh, do we just assume that Beast is a monster because he will become a monster and like comparing that to their what they have going on um, but then they're like oh he broke out so he's a monster let's go kill him <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah Do you, I think that's all we got for X Force? The art's real cool. We say that about most books. The art's real cool in X Force this week. Wolverine forty three, written by Benjamin Percy and Victor Laval, art by Jeff Shaw, colors by Alex Sinclair. Uh, Sabretooth uses the still head, live, still alive head of Quentin Quire to keep track of Wolverine, but Wolverine is able, or but Quentin is able to send a message to the Exiles while he's asleep. Uh, the two remain, remaining other Sabreteeth decide to find Grayson Creed and pit him against his father, and separately, the Exiles make the decision to find and kill Sabretooth. This is really good. I feel like this is mostly Victor Level, so... Yeah, yeah this it's is, like this the, the Exiles are back. This is... He's he's in charge. It's, it's all, like... It's all Sabretooth also, so that makes me think that it's... Um, yeah. Mostly him. Yeah, maybe the flashbacks are Percy. I could see that. Because he had that in his Wolverine run. Yeah, Uh, I mean, Percy loves the Maverick 
Sabretooth Wolverine era, so, like, it yeah, makes sense. Sure. It would make sense if those were his moments in this book. I saw the cover of this one, and I was like, oh, cool. We're gonna get, like, oh, a, a shooty flashback with Wolverine and Sabretooth, which will likely just be, like, filler or something. And then that's only two pages. And I was like, hell yeah. We're back with the Exiles. This rules. <laughs> it's just two pages of Sabretooth reminiscing. They, they had that whole third series that Victor Laval wanted to do off screen. It kind of feels like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. Non, Non-Exiles related. I like that Laura's still around, uh, like, observing the Sabretooth and, like, trying to provoke them. That's that's good, uh, and I think that pays off relatively interestingly. Interestingly might not be the right word, but it it it, it sets up and it pays off. Um, I really like that. Um, I like that Quentin's a head in a box, not because yeah. I dislike Quentin, but because it's it's very cool. It's super fucking cool. His whole deal with this book is really cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is this like. When quit, like, oh my god! Him reaching out to Oya too, and like pulling. Sorry, my cat just jumped on. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, all right, she's good. Quentin as a head in a box is good. Him, him reaching out to Oya was really cool too, because like they were both, they've both been in books together a bunch of times before, like Wolverine and the X Men. And then the the Jubilee class book that they were both in together as well, mm. and they're both which much I can't remember the name now. of. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, early Oya, not great. <laughs> Although I think Quentin's just dead now. I think he's. Yeah, is that like his last That's, gasp? That was his last gasp, like yeah, sacrifice. With yeah. I, I think, which him is... sending out. Well, the message to Oya, I yeah. think, is him him dying. He is still like projecting thoughts at the end, but I oh, wonder okay. if it's like his personality might be a bit less or something. Yeah, his, yeah, his like be. ability to resist the the stuff might be gone now. Um, I really, really like the 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 explanation of it is neat that like Orcus was like experimenting doing like Mr. Sinister shit with bits of mutants like um and it it really fits like the 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 stuff that we've had in Sabretooth and the Exiles especially uh with like medical malpractice and mutant experimentation stuff um because it's like it's not like Sabretooth knows how this thing works. He's just picking up. He's just picking up like this evil technology and using it um, to do evil stuff. Yeah, I have. Uh, I because in my like, yeah. So I wrote. A, I became insane fully this week, and I wrote a um, spreadsheet of all the different X books for the last thirty years down. Um, and how many issues they each have, and um, whether or not I've read them, and if I will read them. Um, <laughs> and I think in that process, I may have stumbled across uh, these head boxes not being the having existed prior in X Men comics. I think they might have happened in Astonishing X Men. I haven't read that yet. It just looked like one on a cover that I saw. 
So that's a hunch. Watch the space. I might come back with more head box information. <laughs> the deep um, lore. Yeah. No, I like really was on a deep lore tear this week. Like I found where those fucking tattoo mutant powers yeah. came from in the Iceman <laughs> books. <laughs> um, there was a guy on the young X-Men whose name was Ink. Um, and it turned out Ink, who thought his powers were to get, uh, like, his powers came from whatever tattoo he got. It turned out the guy giving him the tattoos was the mutant and not him. And his <laughs> name was uh, Leon something. Um, and that's where all those, those mutate came from as he tattooed all those people yeah also in x-men days of future past the movie oh <laughs> the movie. Yeah, oh, i was like i read that comic recently yeah. i don't remember that for uh like five seconds <laughs> <laughs> you just it reminded me when you mentioned it uh he's like in vietnam giving people tattoos Oh my god. Oh, okay. I remember that now. I forgot that, sounds cool. that Vietnam that was cool. a prominent part of that movie. It's not cool. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, there's some bits of that movie that are cool. Most of it is not very good. Um, I think it was my favorite. I mean, that's all I, those movies is the thing. It's like they all have, year. like, moments. <laughs> yeah, I'm not gonna watch them, so. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. The it's so content in this is good. Laura's whole conversation with um the Savage Land Wolverine or Savage Land Sabretooth woman. Yeah, Savage Land variant um, Sabretooth. Laura gets her freaking tongue ripped out in this issue's yeah. moment of yeah. the most violent Wolverine comic of all time. No curse words, please. <laughs> it's it's nasty. It's that, nasty. That, yeah, that that shit looks bad, like in a good way. Yeah. Her conversation with the saber tooth is neat. She's like she's trying to forge bonds with them, like very clearly, and like Savage Land saber tooth like notices this and is like, how do I solve this problem? Rip her tongue out. It's brutal. I think. This really works. Um, I love the multiverse usually... saber teeth. Like I think, I think this is people are always talking about multiverse fatigue or whatever. But I don't I, know. yeah, they they work well in this, this story. But it's like not a, necessarily about like saber tooth interacting with the multiverse as much as it's just him like taking advantage of it as a weapon. <laughs> yeah, I think that's what works. And bringing. So well. it, other hymns in you know it's like a fresher take on it than i think the fatigue is about you know i think it helps that they all like clearly hate each other and are just like simmering also oh yeah. like waiting to, like even if laura hadn't like laura maybe sped up the timeline a little bit here but like this was gonna happen at some point anyway they were going to betray him like yeah um I mean, if you're a prisoner, you're gonna, you gotta try and start a mutiny. There's no other way to go about it. I mean, it's a classic. This is why the bad guys can never win. Uh, because every time they do, like, a multiverse team-up, they start just hating each other because they're, like, bad guys to the core. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> like Ryan North did this with the dinosaur Doctor Doom. Where they were <laughs> and like, Doctor Doom, yeah. yeah. I just uh, reread Avengers versus X Men, and that's literally how it ends. Cool. It's just like every ev- the X Men that have gotten the Phoenix Force together being like, "Oh, we're gonna go after each other now, so we can all get we can be the one person with the power." <laughs> brief, brief Avengers versus X Men tangent. The plot of the second half of that, after the X Men win, is just why does Cyclops, the largest of the Phoenix Force users, not simply eat the other four Phoenix Force users. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> and everyone they was were there. really trying to make Cyclops into a villain in that yeah. book, and it did not work. <laughs> it didn't work at all. He obliterates Professor X, and everyone's like, we'll never forgive you for this. And he's like, damn, I'll never forgive myself. Now I'm sad in a box. And me reading it was like, why did you need the Phoenix Force to do this? You could have just shot him normal style. (laughs) Yeah. And what else is cool about this comic is that the uh, girl Sabertooth still has the sideburns. Yeah. I really like that. Yeah. It's the, the, the like the intrinsic saber tooth nature is like the sharp teeth and the claws and the evil and also the sideburns. Um, I really like that the exiles have just started kind of like a hippie commune though. Like oh, out yeah, at sea, rocks. they're saving the whales. Like I want to go back to that for a second and just like highlight how cool they are again. <laughs> They're on their giant flying ship, like, with, with all these, like, outcast mutants and everything, and they're going around, like, yeah, saving the whales, doing, like, training exercises to, like, use their mutant powers to the best of their ability, and, like, it, it's great. We get- I wish there was more of it, but, like, that we get this is still great. I, like, I, I need- the the exiles to continue to exist going forward even if they're just like off panel kind of being in the same way that the morlocks are just like always kind of there <laughs> yeah. you know yeah it's yeah. like you, you you don't have to touch them for you know a year but the morlock the morlocks are always just hanging about somewhere i want the exiles to also just be hanging about somewhere on their boat and like you, just every every like two years, someone's like, "Ah, we'll do a little storyline with the exiles," and they show up and they're like, "Man, your whole society's fucked. We figured stuff out over here." Yeah. I mean, some um, of those Morlocks are still out there on a boat. From yeah, Dark that's X-Men, literally so. Like, they could <laughs> they I'm could hook up with each other. We could see uh, Maggot and the Exiles. I would yeah. I would re- read a Maggot yeah. and the Exiles book. <laughs> Krakoa may be gone, but there are there are there are at least two other seafaring mutant. who both fucking hate Krakoa for different reasons (laughs) I want to talk about the uh, cover for the next issue for a second because it's uh, I have to assume the next issue is going to be mostly Wolverine POV after this one was mostly Sabretooth and the next cover of the next issue is like Wolverine in a graveyard with tombstones of Jean Grey and Marikoya Shida and Akihiro and Silver Fox and Quentin Quire and he's doing the Darth Vader no yeah. and meanwhile <laughs> Sabretooth is jumping at him like Arya the Night King <laughs> yeah 
Sabretooth's doing the, like, Jason Momoa sneaking up on Henry Cavill. Uh, <laughs> and... <laughs> See, Sabretooth is gonna stab him, go to stab him a pie, and then drop the knife and catch it and stab him in the gut. <laughs> I never see it coming. Yeah, that's, that's, that's the secret. The, the, like, narration from Sabretooth, this issue is very, like, Sabretooth, uh, Wolverine, like, slash thick to me. It's very, like, <laughs> there is, there are vibes <laughs> happening here, and it's, like, <laughs> not, not good, but, like, he definitely has a crush on Wolverine and has for a hundred years and it's all fucked up and Because he misses good. what we used to be together. Yeah. Breaking him yeah. down, getting back to the real Logan, doing him a favor. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's really, like, seems like a common thing. Like, he's just trying to get his little buddy back that can help him kill people. Yeah, it's like, Sabretooth has the very, like, innocent motive of he just wants his friend back. Unfortunately, like, he knew Wolverine when Wolverine was in his, like, edgiest possible phase. And so Sabretooth's been watching him, like, have character development with everyone else, and he's like, this is bullshit. Where's my psychopathic murderer? It's, it's neat because it really reinforces, like, every time Wolverine thinks about Sabretooth, he's like, her, that guy's like what I could be if I, if I didn't, if I wasn't improving myself and developing deeper relationships with my children and the people around me and caring about the world. And Sabretooth's over here like, Wolverine could be just like me if he wasn't caring about other people and having relationships with people in the world and improving. And I'm gonna bring him back. <laughs> I, 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 I really like narration. it's it it works. I get a clear motive for Sabretooth. It's a kind of silly one, but it's comic books. It's all good. <laughs> I, I really like the like well if if everything's so much better now, why is he sad all the time? It kind of <laughs> yeah. kind of rocks like just <laughs> if if you didn't like all the killing, why were you happy back then? <laughs> Like, why are you sad now that you're not helping me kill your family? Yeah. <laughs> why is this upsetting you? We used to like doing this. He's, he's being defeated in the, the marketplace of ideals by, by facts and logic. The one would never try and redeem Quentin Quire. He would only murder. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, the very end of the issue leading into the next one, which will presumably be Wolverine-based in some way, it, it, Quentin Quentin's head gives gives Sabretooth a little quest marker to go to, and he's like, "On my way, off off on a treasure hunt, um, to to find something." I quite like Quentin's like weird affectation dialogue here as well. Like usually it grates on me when he's doing it like normally, but like when he's a disembodied head, I can forgive it a lot more. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, when all you have left is quips, what are what are you supposed to do? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I like that he's like having arguments with himself while he's dreaming. Yeah, uh, this is good. I'm I'm looking forward to more of it. Um, yeah, we're we're moving more into some story. <laughs> Oh, 
X-Men 31, written by Jerry Duggan, art by Phil Noto. Uh, Sink is incapacitated because of the strain of keeping Talon in his mind and sinking Jean's power. Eventually, Talon is able to convince him to let go, and he lets her die, so he can join the fight against Nimrod. Spider-Man and Miss Marvel use the Biobomb to undo the Orcus kill switch and are attacked by Nimrod. The whole team fight against him, but the have to settle for escaping after the biobomb is finished. Kingpo- Kingpin and Typhoid Mary reunite. Alright. Uh, th- this book was n- the worst one. <laughs> this was terrible. Of, th- of, this, of this batch, unfortunately. R.I.P. Talon. Yeah, you got, I, I was hesitant to say you were being fridged last week, and I apologize. You got fridged so hard. Yeah, this, yeah, is, um, this is textbook fridging. To- our previous episode uh, after I read this, because when I read this, I was like, I'm sure like, Kiwi and Nick said two of the things that happened in this issue, and and Nick said the thing about, like, being fridge for, for, for Sync, and Kiwi specifically, specifically talked about um, it'll probably be something like Sink gets distracted during a fight or can't fight because of the effort of holding, like, Talon in his mind, and then he has to do something about it. And you're predicting that in, like, a, a pivotal moment in a few issues' time or something, as they go right into it. It's just immediately after. Fucking sucks. Gotta get this out of the way, I guess. <laughs> like, it does feel like that. I mean, I mean, what... Look, but it's also the main plot of the whole issue. And yeah, it still feels like we're trying to push it out of the way. I mean, I was I was very optimistic about that again when we started this whole project because uh, Hellfire Gala was good. I I, I mean I still don't think because because here's the thing, we're gonna do Fall of the House of X in a bit, and in that one, like Lucas Wernick is also just terrible like doing the worst job he's ever did done so it has to be like something about like them not having time to plot out this whole shit like it's like marvel had a deadline of we're gonna have to we said we're gonna relaunch it in july so we're gonna have to we're gonna have have to to get rid of talent yeah yeah spider-man's here for some reason Spider-Man's um, here. We keep having. I mean, sorry to. I, I'm gonna. This and Fall of the House. Like so many of the issues I have with this, I also have with Fall. So that's why I'm gonna tie that back in. But like yeah. in that one, where it keeps having like, see, Iron Man. Like that doesn't need to be like tied into that much. And the same here for Spider-Man. Like, come on. There, there's something about the the panels of Spider-Man and Miss Marvel standing at the computer as well that are like very funny to me, and I'm not sure if it's intentional. They're they're just like they're like they feel like newspaper comic panels or something <laughs> of like you know very still characters and then like just dialogue. Um, and like obviously whatever Phil Noto art good, it's just like sometimes he can have very uh, sort of stiff poses or something, and it's very noticeable here. Yeah, this is not like everyone is just 
not doing their best work. It's less noticeable with Phil Noto than it is with Warnag, but... Well, I mean, Phil Noto's work has, like, an inherent, like, softness, especially with the way that it's, like, colored and shaded. So, like, it when it there is a stiff pose, I think it's less noticeable that it's stiff because of that softness, you know? Um, his style wends to him being able to do that um, and get away with it better than some artists might. Um, which is like, like good on you, Phil. That's smart. <laughs> I respect that as an artist. <laughs> having Kamala uh, bro- being brought into this, like having doing, having done the terrible like death uh, that everyone hated to pull her into the X universe, also just like seems less and less as having been worthwhile, like. <laughs> Well, it's it's kind of weird to me that, like, Spider-Man is here because of Kamala right now, right? Like, he's not here because of Nightcrawler, even though the series where he was most important for the X-Men most recently was with Nightcrawler. He's here because of what happened with him and Kamala, right? And that has never been addressed in any one of these books that, like, under his watch, presumably... And I still haven't read that issue, so maybe I'm reading too much into it like kiwi you can maybe fill me in here but like why isn't kamala a little upset that she died <laughs> while working for him i i can't remember i thought it was an x-men issue but there, there's a spider-man issue then or there's it there's an issue where kamala and peter sit down and have a talk um which well i mean it's like two minutes two pages and it's basically just like starts with Something him I being like forgot about if it was an x-men issue <laughs> you you died a hero you saved the world and then she's like well that it sucks that i died but like i'm really happy that i was able to help people like that and that's kind of and like he's like you know i i failed and i'm really upset that you, you died on my watch and she's kind of like yeah but i got to come back and now i'm a mutant <laughs> uh, that's kind of the vibe uh, I, I, Okay, that's fine. <laughs> it's like yeah, I, I guess don't know. that's I wish why I, I is think... Spider-Man here. It's what I get back to at that end of that conversation. <laughs> I I think that kind of fits for her character that she's like, you know, I I did character. the thing that had to be yeah. done and it worked out and now luckily I get to come back, but it does Yeah, I don't know. It's just a bit I weird. I still think it's weird to have an have essentially a child character in your story telling the adults around them that their mistakes are okay. Yeah, bad vibes. Like, that they're, they're, what ends up <laughs> essentially being abuse of a child. And, like, this is more of, a, like, we in superhero comics, sometimes it's hard to, like, we've gotten so far from the plot of the real world that it's hard to, like, make things one-to-one like this, but, like, I do think it's, it, it, I, I think it, that's weird, and then the other real-world thing that I think Jerry Duggan is really, like, sh- accidentally showing his ass on here, I think. I don't think there's intention behind this, and I don't bring this up maliciously, but I don't think he writes women as well as he <laughs> writes men. And I think that's that's really clear, when especially when it comes to, like, like what's been happening in Iron Man, but this talent shit just really doubles down yeah. on for me and he has recently, written... and that's that's been a bummer in this whole whole era to me. I feel like he has written the women characters like decently well in Marauders, 
Beckon. Well, yeah, Donovan that's X. the thing I keep thinking about is like he wrote Kitty so well yeah. in Marauders that it's weird that and maybe it's just like maybe it's not like I'm flattening it to a gender thing and it's more of like a character by character thing, but like that's how it kind of is coming across like like it's a two strikes situation. If you get a third one here, Jerry, you're out. Nick, does anyone <laughs> get written well in this book? <laughs> yeah, good point. That's a good point. <laughs> It's, um, oh, like, yeah. It's the talent like, thing no, just you're feels... right, you're right. The talent thing just feels so frustrating maybe? because it's, like, his character. Like, he brought her into the into the universe and then he has to kill her off, yeah. like, within two issues. And I, I just, like, I think the reason why the, why, uh, the Kieran Gillen and the Al Ewing stuff still hits is because they have very clearly planned out what they were gonna do <laughs> from the start. Like, Al Ewing knew how he's gonna... Or at least... Or if they haven't, they're good at lying and good at pretending <laughs> uh, that they have. But with Duggan, it really feels like he didn't have, like, any plan with Talon. And I was just like, oh, I guess we're gonna have to end this soon, so... Yeah, I mean, I guess when you fridge a character, it's supposed to be, like, like a great moment for the person they're being fridged for. So for, like, Sync here, but this isn't a good moment for Sync either. It still hits, like, really flat. Like, the, the conversation he has with Nightcrawler at the end feels so stiff and so awkward. Like, there's... there's no, It doesn't feel like there's very much of a connection between these characters at all and i think that's probably a product of like sink and talon spending so much of these books on like a sideline separate from everybody yeah. else yeah for like all of the the fall of x they were like down there in the operation of the, uh what's that basement of opera base of operations just not really the, really doing the shit tunnels. yeah, yeah. well i guess it's more of a case of like cool coming stuff. up with a cool character that you have nothing to do with yeah it's like uh, uh what's his name the uh, uh the X-Force original guy that sucked <laughs> a this Rob Liefeld moment oh, it's a, no. it's a Rob Liefeld moment yeah right, where you're just making a bunch of characters cuz they're cool <laughs> it's such a terrible fridging like it's it, it's not it's not that you know you could you can it's not that you can't kill off like women characters it's just no, Her I death I'm is not so... trying to say that at all with my point. No, it's but that's what like, I'm yeah. that's what I'm saying is that it is you know not every killing of women characters is a fridging, but this one definitely is because like for what like other than for Sink's character, right? It's it always comes across really weird to me in these these types of stories with this trope that all of the other characters are just like, why do you care? Why do you care that this person died? <laughs> Yeah, you know what? That's a good point. Why does? Why don't they care? <laughs> like, why is it everyone upset? Why? Why is no one trying to save Talon but Sink? Like, we literally have the technology. <laughs> they. It's not like. It's not like she was in his imagination the whole time. Like. Yeah, she could just her. go to the. She could go to the waiting room and then go to the white hot room like everybody else. Like yeah. <laughs> Nightcrawler's this whole is, deal the, is about hope. <laughs> the machinations that are being used in the other book are actively being ignored 
in order to fridge this character. <laughs> I just want away. anyone else to be like, oh no, I l- Sink was so cool, I miss her. Yeah. But like, now that I think back, like nobody has built a rapport with her or anything, like, despite being on a team with yeah. her. And it's like, the, the vibes here are that like, everyone ha- knows she's been dead for like, four days or something and they're just like uh don't just don't want to mention it around to sink like we'll just we'll just pretend we didn't notice (laughs) and that's literally like if you go back to the last book though that is literally like what's happening is people don't want to be like hey why didn't she come back yeah yeah and it's it's like like, why wouldn't you be asking that that's insane leader of the team If any member of your team doesn't come back from a mission why wouldn't you be asking where they are Like, Sink just, like, brushing it off shouldn't be, should not be allowed, like... The the reason this this death is, like, isn't working, and maybe this is, like, what a fridging is, is because of that. Like, it's just all the characters are acting in a way that doesn't make sense to someone being in, like, this dire of a situation. Because she, within the canon of this world, she's not dead, she's dying, you know? And then she, like... Like sink, like she dies in this issue, but everyone's acting like she's already dead, and it doesn't, it doesn't make sense. And it's not even like her death was like, like she died to the fucking high evolutionary, not even a villain of like the X Men line, or like. And it was literally transactional because he goes, "Oh yeah, I killed this lady. Now you can have my orb. Yeah, here's an orb for letting me kill a woman." Yeah, it's it's really bizarre, especially because like I th- I think the thing that you noted like that with with Talon seemingly not have formed connections with anyone else, like it's especially weird to have her her die for sync character development and it it's it feels like she wasn't a character now, even though we've had like. 10 plus issues of her being a character. And it's also like emphasis on the D in development. Like he's D developing because he's, <laughs> he's going from a character that everyone took very seriously and was like, he is, he is mature beyond the years we've seen with him because he spent all this time in the vault and now he's ready to lead. Oh no, he's not actually not because he's grieving and he's being a baby about it. So we have to go back to treating him like the the young adult he was treated like at the beginning of this series. Like Sink is also being reset with this death. <laughs> yeah, you're right. And it's also reminded me that when Sink first left the vault, we also had this exact same situation because the version of Laura that was in the vault died and the new version didn't we yeah, Talon exists as a solution to the previous time Talon was fridged. Double fridged. Yeah. And they've done She's it again. She's been double fridged. <laughs> double fridged for the same guy. This is so fucked up. Um, I think King. And it's fucked up that well. she died in a fight with no one else around other than, like, on a side quest. And she's the character that's not meant to be able to be killed. Like, she's a wolverine. <laughs> she's one of the wolverines. The whole deal is, is living. That's why there are so many of them. 
And it's not even because she wasn't established as having an interesting character in any way. It's like she's never gonna be brought brought back. Like she's gonna be a footnote. Yeah. In like no, the lore. Oh yeah, there was I mean, another it's, it's version like of Scout's Flora. Sisters, you know, yeah. it's like no one ever talks about how there were four other um, Laura clones along with Scout that all died. In that well, story one of them, arc. one of them is, I think maybe one of them is currently a villain in the Electra Gang War. <laughs> oh, good for them. <laughs> one of the Gang War books. I'm, gl- I'm um, glad their death didn't end up mattering. <laughs> I'm not, actually not sure if it is one of them or if it's like one of the other, one of the people who like worked against them. It might be the evil clone. Um, speaking of gang war, uh, Kingpin uh, got his wife back, and she's and he doesn't she care says, that she cheated. He's he's chill with it. Yeah, she says, "Oh no, I, I, I cheated on you while I was in a different universe." And then in Spider Man, he beats up some people, and then he goes like, "Well, I just needed to work some stuff out because my wife cheated on me in a different universe, <laughs> and now I'm good." <laughs> Great. He was like, shit, I didn't realize it was cheating time. When it's allowed. Uh, Nimrod is a fucking joke again. Nimrod's Uh, doing cartoon villain shit, this issue. Once again, the reason why fucking Mystique had to die like 50,000 times and they wouldn't bring her wife back is because she she was on a mission to stop Nimrod from coming online. Um, but I guess his, like the bit where he's holding up Spider-Man like this, like, what am I supposed to say about that? (laughs) He should rip him in half. (laughs) Yeah. Like, you know, he's not going to do it because he's from a different comic. (laughs) (laughs) Like when they did this in the Hellfire Gala, it was scary, but Spider-Man on a guest appearance. I, I think the fight with Nimrod is cool, but I don't know why we had to go from France back to New York just to keep it going. Yeah. And there shouldn't be fights um, with, like, the main antagonists. They should be in fall of the... Like, the, the X-Book... Yeah, they're fighting Nimrod too many yeah. times. <laughs> Almost. Like, like there every be... issue they fight Nimrod. I know that, you know, I said earlier that... Uh, you know, it's a, it's a, t- it seems like a timing issue. Like Duggan hasn't enough time to plot out, but he's also like do- doing double duty for no reason. Like this, the X Men book should have ended and then lead led into Fall of the House of X instead of like the, stretching himself thin on Iron two Man. books you and ended both on three them. books, yeah. stretching himself thin yeah. on three books and like not being particularly good in either of them. <laughs> I, I love the way Phil Noto draws uh, Nimrod, though. Like, yeah, there's something so charming agree. about it to me. Like, those these groups of pages are just so good because of it. Like, Phil Noto Nimrod is my favorite Nimrod. The, the panel of them getting hit by a truck, also very funny. Like, anytime, like, someone gets hit by a truck and the truck loses, I do enjoy that. 
Hey, do you like when uh, on the on the page where uh, Kingpin and Typhoid Mary are uh, kissing, it says on the narration, the fall of the House of X spared one pair of lovers while another faced annihilation, is what it says on the other place, other side. No, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't. It, there didn't need to be a transitional phrase there. And then the moment the 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 uh, narration for the fridging is as he set her mind adrift the longest romance in x-men history finally ended sink pushed the sorrows away and let rage fill his heart his friends would need it so poor it's one out for the longest like... romance in x-men history <laughs> it's very funny to um, just I... actually say what you want the audience to feel <laughs> <laughs> also kind of funny when in the solicit information for the uh, mystique destiny wedding they explicitly call that the longest <laughs> romance in X-Men history as well uh what about freaking gene and cyclops <laughs> like it literally textually the gene and cyclops and then it's a close second with remy and rogue it's like I guess how much paid I guess like time? in the history in history uh, Mystique and Destiny got together like historically before uh, so yeah. I guess in that yeah, way it's the, f- the first time Mystique appears on panel she is already married to Destiny so but if you say then... that then Apocalypse <laughs> and Genesis are longer <laughs> yeah that's true <laughs> yeah you know you can't <laughs> You can't invent, like, you can't invent a longer one than that. It's not Guinness Book World Records, is the thing. You just, like, <laughs> like quantifying shit like that in your in your narrative immediately kind of makes it weaker. Yeah. Like, just being yeah. like, this is the best. Like, that's the same conversation we're having with the medals. Like, you, you can't just... You have to find a way to impart this aspect of the narrative. I need to stop clapping while I fucking talk. It's gonna be awful, and then... It, audio later it's you you cannot you shouldn't quantify things like this in your narrative you should just find other ways to describe that your shit is cool i mean i yeah. think if if you say that in the solicit that's one thing but having it on paper is just so fucking corny oh yeah yeah the solicit you can say whatever you want you're an advertising person yeah. at that point i don't care most, what you're you're writing the most surprising <laughs> turn in alpha flight history <laughs> Stay tuned to which alpha flighters will survive the saber tooth war. <laughs> yeah. Um. Oh, it'd be really funny if just like Sasquatch and like and oh, the other guy they they just caught a stray from saber tooth and just <laughs> killed off in the saber tooth war. <laughs> There's a flashback next issue where you just see Vindicator's body. <laughs> Sabretooth on his way up to the Arctic. Yeah. <laughs> he just stopped off. Um, Fall of the House of X? Fall. X-Men! Fall of the House of X 2. Written by Jerry Duggan. Art by Lucas Vernack. Colors by... Brian Valenza, Floris attacks the Bloom Station with the Brood, Wolverine, Nightcrawler, and Colossus join the attack and coordinate with Emma, 
Broken Gambit free manifold, and he sees a vision of Lactuka who tells him that Destiny saved him by trapping him. Stasis and Modok escape from the Bloom, and there's no sign of Firestar. Dr. Gregor interrupts Cyclops' execution with a warning about a Sentinel City. This sucks. Uh, I <laughs> thought this was a lot better than X-Men. This... Mm, but I still think not it's, great. I think it's less obviously terrible. <laughs> it's it's terrible in a less like Offensive on a lower way. magnitude. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. maybe yeah. This is just I mean this is not like X-Men was like offensively terrible. This one is just like a complete lack of being good. This one it felt way too fast. Like I've read it four times now. And I finally I'm have so like sorry. put it together. And now maybe it's like lost uh <laughs> time fallacy, sunken cost fallacy that I've finally come around to liking it, but <laughs> uh, the, the cover like... is so good. The cover yeah, is the cover like is, one um, of the best. It's Pepelaras. Like they got this is the the cruel thing about this is they got Pepelaras to do the covers. Uh but it doesn't do the interiors. It's I have banger cover noted down here and then it's great that comics do this, where the cover is like one artist and the interior is completely different. This is good, and I'm not mad. Um, <laughs> yeah, we love it. <laughs> yeah, but it's especially mean when it's the guy who drew like the original House of X. Yeah. Um, and this is also is, like I, I think like good. Lucas Wernick just didn't have time or something because this. The what? Oh, the Polaris stuff is is the best part of the issue. Yeah, the cold open. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's fine. I, I think I hate every time or that her character trait is likes coffee. Oh, oh, that's, man. I, yeah. That sucks, kind yeah. Of infuriates me. <laughs> yeah, later <laughs> on, where she holds the fucking Starbucks cup and he's like, Orcish coffee is terrible. That's just like I no. Okay, no. <laughs> you've Don't drawn the deal line. Get, yeah, get this fucking the office humor out of my like <laughs> prestige event thing. It's supposed to be the conclusion of the whole uh Krakoa era. I, I think the art like just this is one another one of those where the first few pages look great, like the ones that are gonna appear in the solicit. And then it like noticeably starts downgrading like where he just like hasn't finished the pages for like the second half of the issue like there's so many characters that are like you know like this like where it's just like an outline uh or a background there's a bit where juggernaut uh attacks the uh sentinel and for a second i thought it was puck <laughs> like in this panel specifically. You oh, I see it. Yeah, the proportions, the proportions are so <laughs> no, weird. No, he's like the size of the gun. It's weird. Yeah. Why does Juggernaut even have a big gun? Like, just let him hit shit. That's his thing. You know, that's right. <laughs> I, I didn't even consider that. That is very stupid. 
I hate the bit where Emma has the Orcus agents like mind bent into being her dogs. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. It's, That's a weird panel. Like, it's all jokey jokes, well, right? But you can't make up a whole yeah. event comic out of jokey jokes. It's like, it's it's goofy in a way that doesn't feel appropriate for the, the point in the story we're at. Like, if Emma was walking around Orcus, people like dogs in a smaller stakes earlier mission. Like, that makes a lot more sense than her being in the middle of Times Square, presumably... Yeah, with, that's the other with fucking missiles agents. in the background. Um, I also like really started wondering. My my big critique was uh, why is Modok even here? Why was why, Modok why has here Modok at all? been here at all? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That for the overarching plot, I'm like just overall, like, oh, so yeah, in the X Men, like Krakoa, yeah. yeah. Was he, like, at some point supposed to be who Iron Man was fighting? Because he's, like, an Iron Man villain, right? Like, like he's in a... I, I, I don't even fucking know. I don't know. I, <laughs> like, for me, he's just, like, when I've been reading comics, he just kind of pops up when they need it. Like, a, a weird guy I mean, to for me, he's for a, a sitcom character voiced by Pat Oswalt, yeah. made of stop motion. <laughs> like, <laughs> he's a joke. Like, the... And... In a way that, like, you know, you can't make a character who is a joke villain, but uh, he's he was get, he's he's been getting an improportionately like bigger and bigger role uh, as the fall of X like progressed in a way that it just at this point it's yeah as you said like why is he even here? He's just doing Joker laugh. Why? Why he he should have like I I get if he's here and then like oh we we've reached the drama point you know the brooder on the space station we're going all out uh, uh Polaris like six the brood on Modok and they like tear him to pieces or some shit you know I'm like oh, okay like Modok's there to have like a recognizable but disposable villain but he just like flies off. And then writes yeah. a letter about yeah. how he's going to be in another series soon. Just you wait. Like for the for the last like, the, he he flies off while he has like this huge shit eating grin on his face, <laughs> like in a Batman comic where the Joker unleashed his laughing gas. Like that's what he looks like. And it like it really. Combines badly with Doctor Stasis also just running away <laughs> and escaping, and also Nimrod like breaking out from wherever he you know the Krakoa goop, and also just disappear. It like yeah, they're all just like going off to return two issues from now. Like what's the and point? Also terrible here. You're this, in the finale. This this Stasis, he's also just like fucking off with the shit eating grin. Like it's everyone. Yeah, I did. I did enjoy imposing, like <laughs> on the way out. The, I think that's funny. All the villains are just like having a laugh, and fucking off. And meanwhile, also Emma is having a laugh with the Orcus agents, whom, uh, whom she ends like I. I really don't like and and once again like I thought Duggan was writing Emma great in Marauders. I don't know why he's writing her so terribly now. 
she's in this she's just there to girl boss her way uh, through the fight like yeah in a way that doesn't feel like doesn't feel like it has any weight or anything remember how good she was in like the inferno event like in the hickman inferno where yeah uh where she was like i i was it in that or was it in immortal x-men where no i think it was in inferno where like she learned from charles and magnet like what charles and magneto have like done in secret and she was just like fucking furious and like told oh yeah that was so good that ruled that was so good and now she's just like being a girl boss about the Orcus agents. I don't know. Or even like not asking don't. the other people in Times Square about her BDSM <laughs> and whether or not they consent to it. It just all feels so She's pointless. sending out a psychic ping to all of uh all of Times Square being like, Hey, I'm about to do some horny shit with these guys. Do you wanna is that all cool with everybody else here? And they're all like, Yeah. Um I I liked the the conversation between uh Lactu- uh is it Lactuka? No, I'm yeah, yeah, Manifold and, and Lactuka, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I like the conversation between Lactuka and Manifold, like, quite a bit, um, and I liked the all the stuff with Polaris, and aside from the coffee line, that wasn't super funny. I did think the Bob being small, and then they're being like, no, a Bob's too big. That was kind of funny. <laughs> but also, like, there's not enough fucking time on any of the page for the jokes to have the right timing. So it doesn't matter anyways, like, everything is so rushed, like, we should just not be doing bits the whole time. There's no space for, like, some a critique I got on my own work, um, maybe four months ago, because I love gags, I love jokes, I love gags, I, I will oversaturate my shit with them over and over and over again if I can. Um, but a critique I got recently about one of my pieces was, like, the gags are what they're gonna cut first for time. And, like, that thought might help this, like, process. Like, I, Cherry Duggan, it, is there a space for you to just be writing, like, a workplace comedy in comics? Like, <laughs> maybe that is, maybe that is your scene Write here. another Deadpool, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, write, like, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah. <laughs> or even, yeah. Like, this even works with regular x-men stuff when you're not doing a huge like dramatic event event yeah (laughs) you just have to like put the humor to the side for a little bit especially when there's just like not space in this like what is this a four issue event right like they've shrunk the events for x-men down so quickly to get the new team on that you have to cut the jokes there's just not space i don't understand the the rush at Marvel to like to, to get this Krakow era over with. Like, I get I that new number just, one like, cell. It... Yeah, <laughs> you get that the relaunch sells, but don't you think that the event trade is gonna sell better if it's gonna be fondly remembered because they did like a great, like fucking Secret Wars, you know, Hickman Secret Wars still very beloved because it's like people consider it to be a great ending to an era yeah or or house of x and powers of x yeah i think in order potentially in order to get 
like that good ending that we're all looking for you just need different leadership though like i don't know if duggan yeah i mean he's very clearly not the guy can for like the job. carry this this into the end zone and that's a shame it should have like, he's written a lot of better stuff earlier yeah. on in this era it should have just been the rise of the powers of 10 and this should this maybe just be the x-men book i guess just naming it how Fall of the House of X is such a disservice to the original House of X and also to I don't know it's it feels like my uh, my my impression of this was like it feels like when uh, your players are moving away and you're like rushing to wrap up your campaign in two sessions <laughs> yeah it does feel that way um Orcus kidnapped Krakoa off screen this issue, or well like Krakoa's on screen but the actual kidnapping of Krakoa occurs off screen uh like cause yeah he's chased off his own island in the last issue and then in this one we see him in a big net on the back of a truck yeah. and then we get the juggernaut with a gun breaking him out of the truck and it's like the lot again it, it, it feels very very condensed um, and I don't think it all works. I want to see the scene of Bishop or Cable giving Juggernaut the big gun. If Juggernaut is going to have the big gun, make the big gun mean something for a yeah. second. <laughs> um, later in, uh, in the issue when Rogue and Gambit show up for the first time, Rogue is like, this is all terrible, it's going to hell. And it's like, I don't know what the, like, success in this looks like I, I don't know I don't know what their plan was like what is their successful plan I don't know what like as far as like to the best of my knowledge this could have all been going perfectly to plan you know like what it feels what is it that's going really wrong? like we're, we're just not being given a clear picture of the overall state of this fight yeah, yeah. what's happening it's just yeah. like there's a bunch of fighting going on, I guess, and we're really erratically like teleporting from scene to scene yeah. to scene. And Emma is supposed to be the glue in the issue that like brings us from one point to the other. But Emma, rather than giving us like a big picture of the thing, like that energy was put into a gag, you know? Yeah, there's <laughs> no through line and there's no like. There's no focus and there's no sense of there's no like sense of rhythm between like where how you jump like and this was a criticism I heard about like even the big uh MCU like crossover movies like at the uh, back in like uh, Civil War and Endgame and all of that that uh, n- not not Endgame, but the one before Infinity War, because that was the one where it was like a lot of cutting between different scenes. That there's no purpose between like how you go, like there's no sense of rhythm between how you go between these scenes. It just, yeah, it just doesn't feel like like this. This this felt like a slog for me to read through. Yeah, in like uh, movies and stuff, you talk about like having motivated cuts when you move from one shot to another. Like you want your you're cut to be motivated by, like, some sort of movement, typically, right? Like, the movement of the character, the move... You you as the, the 
the director, camera operator, cinematographer, whatever, moving the person's eye, moving the camera, or moving something within the camera itself, right? Like, those are generally, like, the three ways you do that. And, um, I don't know how the fuck that transfers to comics. Um, (laughs) and, like... I, but it doesn't feel like all of what is happening is necessarily like a motivated jump from one point in the story to another. I guess is the point I'm trying to make. Like it, um, it feels like we are being given snapshots of the story and different parts of the event, but it doesn't necessarily feel like we are being given the most important moments in order to tell the entire story together. Yeah, I think that's a really good way of putting it. Um, I have a couple of notes. One, uh, where when we get the caption for at once was Xavier's school for gifted youngsters. Youngsters back to the mansion, baby. We're going back to the mansion. <laughs> Everyone's going was back right. to the mansion. It's, it's gonna. <laughs> I now I'm, I'm welcome I now think every... to my mansion. Do you <laughs> yeah. like it? <laughs> It's uh, they're just they're going back. To, it's going to be the it's going to be the five original X Men. They're all going to be in the mansion, and it's yeah. Um, Manifold. Three of them are dead right now. <laughs> Three of the originals yeah. are dead right now. So, um, we we can fix that, <laughs> and we will. Uh, and then the, uh, it's the. I, I think I think it's a uh, a very, very good point, like with the with the motivated cut stuff, because I was I was finding the page where we get to like Cyclops's execution, and the top of the page is the bloom falling down onto Earth, and then yeah. there's a panel of nowhere, the bloom falling and like the sword station, and then there's a bubble, a, a cool bubble effect of like a force field of Polaris, like. Transporting Wolverine, Colossus, and Nightcrawler to somewhere, and then halfway through the page, we're in Paris, where Cyclops is about to get executed. Don't you love and this they- like skin skillful uh, segue between these two scenes that says at that moment in Paris? Yeah, it's it, it does. <laughs> it feels so like you know. It, it, now for something completely different, like just cut to something else. Um, I mean, it does cut from the sword station to uh, Omega Sentinel holding a, holding a sword. Yeah, like that's <laughs> that would be a match cut. That would be a match cut, but like, but it's like it's like visually like it is visually similar, but it's no, you're completely right. Like it's not motivated by storytelling at all. Like yeah. Well, it's even a simple thing as simple as like putting a little bit of Emma's text bubble on the previous side of the page right before her introduction in the issue would like go a long way here, you know. Like I know when you're reading it, it's on the same like spread, but still, like your eye is getting pushed into the bottom corner of the page, not into the top corner of the next. I have one, another thing you know? to say about Cyclops specifically is that. Cyclops is being so disserviced by this story. Like, all he... Like, he... Last issue, he all has been saying is... 
I'm not afraid because my wife <laughs> is going to raise hell about this. And in this one, he says, he's, he's like, I'm not afraid because my wife is going to raise hell about it. Like, it's just the one thing he's doing is talk about his wife. Like, it's just so. It turns out the biggest mistake Cyclops sees for himself in the Krakoan era and the way his, like, arc is ending and being paid off is that he needed to be more of a wife guy than yeah. he already was. <laughs> he was not being the right kind of wife guy. Um, I, this, this did present to me, like, again, this is a, a vision of Cyclops that will not come to pass for me, but I would like it. Like, what if, you know, there's, there's an alternate way this goes, which is like, Gene never comes back, and Cyclops just stays like this. Like, we get, like, a year of comics of Cyclops just being the character that's always being like, hey, don't worry guys, Gene will save us all, like, in, in, like... What is the next Gillen series, the little Gillen series that's coming next? X-Men, X-Men Forever. Forever. Yeah. yeah. I've been kind of thinking that maybe both Beast and Cyclops will also die before X-Men Forever starts. Ooh. And then, like, that story will be huh. about their resurrection. That would be interesting. I, I kind of could see that. Yeah. I came up with that this morning, so it's, like, it's kind of half-baked right now, but... I, I do really love the idea of Cyclops. He's just, like, walking into gunfire in, on a normal mission and just being yeah. like, don't worry, no, Gene will save us if, if anything it happens. Be, <laughs> it would be really cool. It's... Uh, I mean, it is a shame that it seems like... The, they're going to do a very back to ba- or they're going to have to do a very back to basic reset. So if they're gonna be like this is uncanny X Men number one, uh, whole new creative team, uh, everyone get on board, then they're not gonna be like, uh, oh by the way, Gene is dead. <laughs> He's not around. Like they do have to find. I don't know. I'm. We'll, we'll, we'll know more when we learn the creative teams, but I'm curious if they're gonna, like, have, like, some type of, like, creative twist on the X-Men book, or if it's just gonna be, like, boring-ass superhero comics. Yeah, those books are starting in, like, what, three months? Yeah. In, uh, and we still don't know. July, I think, yeah. We've got- in July? Yeah, so, yeah. Like, for over four months. Okay, but we still don't know most of the people that'll be a part of it, aside from, like, like we think Louise Simonson uh, is involved, is right? There. And there's... Or S- Gail Simone, yeah, sorry. Gail yeah, Simone and Greg, like Greg, Greg Capullo on Wolverine Art. But yeah. that's also, like, we don't know if it's, like, a one-shot or anything. Uh, but yeah, it's... And that could just be X-Men, because he might just be drawing Wolverine oh, yeah. as part of that. No, I think, the, I think the thing was that he didn't crop from the image that on top of the page, where you have to, like right for which issue it is it said wolverine so it was like you didn't couldn't recognize any characters but you could see that it had wolverine written on top but yeah the timeline is that it's gonna be it's kind of weird because i i the last solicits that we had were up to may for the xbox and that had like the solicits for the last issues of Rise of the Powers of X, uh, Powers of Ten, and Fall of the House of X, and X-Men Forever, and all of these, Resurrection of Magneto, they would all wrap up in May, and then it said, like, in the solicits, and stay tuned for the finale in June. So they still have to announce, like, one thing that's probably going to be a giant-sized 
something, but we don't know who's writing it. Uh, I think it's probably gonna be Duggan, and it's gonna be like <laughs> very disappointing because I think Kieran Gillen said he has rap, he has handed in all his scripts already, and yeah. Yeah, didn't uh, in his like newsletter he said he's like not doing any Marvel things for a minute. Um, I do. Before we leave Duggan Corner, I want to talk about or just mention that uh, Magic and Kitty are on the and Lockjaw are on the cover for next X Men. Um, so maybe we'll get some fresh faces that can bring us some more some new excitement into the story. Yeah. I mean, there is also it's. What do we feel about, like, Dr. Gregor's, like, twist here? Because that's, like, a big plot thing that happens. Oh, yeah, which we didn't- we only half talked about. <laughs> yeah, because, like, she, she zapped the Mega Sentinel and is like, Cyclops, we need to go to Sentinel City. Um, uh, it feels a little bit like the problem we were talking about earlier, where things- don't seem planned in a way that is like maybe more obvious like her character was gone for so long or like such a not a part of the story for so long she became like pretty forgettable um and it's unfortunate that she's like now come back as this linchpin over the last few issues that we have to be like oh yeah her um where like maybe we could have maybe had her do something in the interim <laughs> between now and then but i i like i i, I, I don't know i don't yeah sorry <laughs> i i, I kind of like the like um you know dissension in the ranks of orcas because there there's always been this like the ai were working on their own like agenda the whole time anyway but it's like the way it comes across here is just cyclops said that one thing last issue um uh, that was like not even a direct thing it was just like a hint and i guess she went away and looked into it and found there was something to it but it feels very sudden for her to like betray <laughs> betray the people <laughs> she's worked for for the last few years all of a sudden and like side with the guy who killed her husband yeah i don't know it, if if like you know Issue three of Rise of the House of the Fall of X, Sentinel City, is like all about Dr. Gregor and like gives us like an issue that's like, here's, here's what Dr. Gregor's been doing. She's been like undercover investigating all the AI shit in Orcus. That's, that would be great. I think that's how. That's how I can care about Sentinel City. That's the reality I've crafted in my mind that makes me uh, think Sentinel City. I could have be bad good. news for you. The uh, <laughs> next issue has uh, Doctor Stasis and Wolverine on the cover. But oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that is kind of the thing we have to. You have to go into every twist with Row, right? Where like new information is now being revealed we have to wait a second to see if that information pays off so yeah like we'll find out if dr gregor matters in a way that's satisfying <laughs> yeah and i guess you know they put we... wolverine on the cover for anything so 
that doesn't have to mean. True. He's not. <laughs> uh, do we want to move on to, to yeah, Rise? Oh, just one more thing. Because it, uh, it says on the start, uh, on the first opening nar- narration bit, it says, uh, Wonderful, just wonderful. Phelan has abandoned ship just to kill one man, Tony Stark, who bid some fancy new suit for himself right under his nose. Uh, asterisk, see Invincible Iron Man 15. And I was like. Okay, I don't really remember Which doesn't that. come out till as of us recording Wednesday. Yeah, and then I just week. realized looking at the documents that it is like it it comes out like it hasn't come out yet by the time it was published. So that was that's that's a cool little necessary information that we needed to have that uh like all the tying into Iron Man is just so annoying to me. Oh, there's also a couple of bits of dialogue that like reveal what's gonna happen in the next issue of Iron Man and that it didn't like fully succeed, so it, like Phalon could have just not been mentioned in this issue and <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't have been yeah, asking where is Phalon. It wouldn't have mattered. Nobody cares it's about just advertising for Iron Man. Nobody has really ever asked when Phalong is not when he was an X-Men villain. <laughs> when Phalon is not on screen, like nobody is asking where Phalong is. <laughs> Uh, yeah, my, when my Phelong is on screen, is... everyone else is asking who is Phelong. <laughs> <laughs> Who's this pink guy? Uh, did you enjoy the this the, how it's just a little bit of Star Trek at the start? Now that you're no, no, that, Star Trek. No, that we love Star Trek. Yeah, of course. Love Star Trek. It was. I was like, oh, that's kind of yeah. cute. And then it oh was yeah, just since like, our last episode, Why? we become Star Trek heads. So. <laughs> what, 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 what Star Trek have you been? Have you have you been? Uh, the three of us and a few other people have been watching uh, TNG on uh, Tuesdays. You, Deep Space Nine is. is I know. Is, 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 <laughs> we get there. We'll, we'll get TNG there in first. several yeah, years. Yeah, it's gonna take us like a year and a half to two years to watch all of TNG, and then I'll. Then we'll definitely watch my, the I'm as well. most excited for us to get to season two, episode seventeen of the Next Generation, which is Janos. Don't look oh, up okay. what happens. <laughs> <in that. laughs> Dude, will will you it's, will you be? It's in- way funnier if you find out organically in the episode. Ah, <laughs> uh, hold on. It's is it is it Voyager? Will you? Will you be doing Voyager? I'll 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 message you, Holly, what happens in that episode. I don't care. Like, if we had started with DS9 and then like Yano. gone back to season one of TNG, it would have just been like a terrible slog, probably. So I, will will you be will you be going into Star Trek Voyager? No, I point? don't think so. I think that's got some real highs and lows of Star Trek. <laughs> Uh, TNG and uh, DS9 all have like a hundred something episodes. So, uh, <laughs> I think if if I'm still doing it in like four years, I'll find some. Maybe I just stream Columbo instead. <laughs> That's what I've been doing in the uh, HK oh, okay. Discord for the last like year and a half, and we're almost done with Columbo. Oh, then I'm not gonna do I've Columbo. I've been doing I'm Mystery Mondays. Else. Yeah. Uh, we're starting season 10 next week, the last season of Columba. <laughs> does he die at the end? Like, does he... Because uh, Agatha Christie wrote off Poirot, like, gave, gave him a death. I think Peter Falk just got too old to continue making episodes of Columbo, I think is the real answer. <laughs> so there isn't one where he's the victim. 
No, I don't think so, just but I'll find out. I'll let you know freaking, in 10 weeks. The, fi- the final <laughs> episode of Columbo where he finally meets his freaking wife. <laughs> no, there's like another series, a Mrs. Columbo really? series, where, she, where she's in it and he's never in it. So. <laughs> Great stuff. Apparently it's really bad, yeah. Mrs. Columbo. <laughs> you know how Stephen Moffat wanted to make a remake of Columbo? Uh, but he's a bit twisted in oh, I'm it. I'm so glad that didn't happen. <laughs> like, he was like, here's all the things that people like about Columbo, but what if we made that not the, not the show? <laughs> Imagining, like, oh. Bendit Cumberbatch Columbo and causing myself psychic damage. Oh yeah, he wanted Let's to. Let's talk about other his psychic Moffat's damage. take on Columbo was gonna be that he's a sadist, like he just likes to. Oh my god! To, to torture these. Uh... Oh my god! Of course. <laughs> uh, what's the What's the quote here? Yeah, my the one thing Columbo has to be is the most unprepossessing, seemingly unimpressive sadist you'll ever meet. So that was his. I don't. I don't think that is the one thing he gets to be. <laughs> I, I think you're lying. <laughs> X-Men! Um, Rise of the Powers. Not that. Two? Two. Uh, written by Kieran Gillen, art by Orbi Silva, colours by David Curio. Uh, Enigma searches through the timelines of the X-Men for clues about what Charles is doing and figures out what the No Place is, sending Sentinels to hunt it. Inside the No Place, Mother Righteous is revealed to be the fifth member of the team, enabling communication to the White Hot Room. Things are not good in the White Hot Room. Uh, Enigma attacks while Rachel's team is scanning timelines and Rasputin Ford defends the No Place, fighting them off just long enough for the dead X-Men to gather the necessary data and allow Charles to go back to the earlier version of Moira. During that fight, uh, Sinister talks to Charles from the clone of the clone Doug body that he is now inhabiting. On Earth, Orcus, uh, as Orcus lose to the mutant uprising, Enigma makes contact with Moira. I like that uh, at the start, it's like Doug is saying shit like, we have to kill baby Moira instead, we have to go further, and I was like... Damn, Duck has gone off a dark path, and yeah. but it turned out, turned out that really Kieran has just really gotten me. He's, he's a freaking sinister. He's been a, yeah. he's been a freaking it was Mr. Like sinister last, all last along. Issue. Last issue, we were like, man, Doug yeah. seems kind of like angry this issue, but like he was trapped in a vault for ages. Maybe, maybe it's, he, it's, you know, it's fair enough. And now it's like, it's I think it also like reverses the stuff where it was like oh is charles being like extra evil because he's like sinister is fusing with him and it's like no he was doing all that (laughs) shit by himself no he was just being evil actually and like i he's just working with sinister for for real now he's working with sinister in secret it's great i think charles just put sinister in the actual dog's head Ooh. Like, because Doug was trapped in Krakoa. We don't know what happened to Doug when Krakoa fled. Aside from pre- him making it into the no place here. So I think uh, Charles literally put 
sinister in the widget dog's head unless there's a line that i'm overlooking sinister says like hints that he has other powers because he says you don't want to know what else are like i i didn't i don't want to reveal what else i put into this body Okay, so I think okay. it, it has to be a clone. But Sinister that does grew. that to his own body normally. Yes, you know, I like could, what would stop yeah. him from fucking with a dog body? I could go either way. I I, I like I, I like, like I'm perfectly options. chill. You know, like it, be a clone. I'm happy I, with that. Don't hurt my. I son. I think he's but a, hurt my son. It's good writing. I think he. I think he's a clone, and there's still a real dog somewhere in Krakoa that was still gonna. Yeah, that's my thought. Um, yeah, no, it's fair. He's a comfortable I, dog in the ground. It's also like a, a real classic Gillen, like one, two thing of, oh, the reveal of the fifth member is Mother Righteous. Oh, shit, no, the reveal <laughs> of the second member is actually Sinister, yeah. not Doug. It's, uh, it's just like, ah, you fucking, I thought you, I thought you got me one way and you got me another he's way. He's working with two Sinister clones. <laughs> <laughs> and Mother Righteous knows, but she, they like they did Mr. Sinister shit to her so she can't say it. Like, she's just, like, kind of hinting about it in the dialogue. Um, and there's also the, the like, redacted bit where it, it gives the full, like, team thing. And it does say, like, Mother Righteous constructed with assistance from redacted. And then you get to the end of the issue and you're like, well, I guess I can figure out who that was. This this is great. This rules. Um, Doug Sinister is here. Charles is working with Sinister secretly on his secret mission team. He's got further secrets on it. Like we get like their second stage plan. We get to find out on a data page that there's a third redacted plan that they're going to move to after this. It's one that Charlie really doesn't want to do, but Rachel is like convinced that that's what he's gonna do because they're 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 telling Rachel that oh I'm just going to talk to Moira. Yeah, yeah. We're just going to debate on the marketplace of ideas. (laughs) The the it's so compelling that like the the there's only five people on this team and like everyone knows a different amount about the full plan and like everyone assumes that they are privy to the entirety of the plan and no one is presumably apart from Charles, Charles is working sinister. with Charlie is working with two sinisters one person that is like gaslighting and the other person who is like very impressionable and uh, like he's just manipulating like all the good guys <laughs> Like he's not. There, there's no. There's no comeback for Charles for this. Like I think, like Holly, you said earlier. Like what if Jean like stayed dead uh, at the end of Krakow? I think like if there's one character who I could see like being actually killed off by the end of this and not being there for the start of the next X Men era, I could see Charles not being there. Like I could see uh, him being like either dead or being like really in bad graces at the end of Krakoa and or they're gonna Prisoner X, which we saw. Do you remember that? The the hint that 
in the next era, there's going to be like someone in essentially a giant cerebro prison. Yeah. Called Prisoner X. Yeah. That could be Charles. Yeah, that could be like. I, I saw a theory. I don't know if one of us said this. It might have been a Kiwi thing that Doug was going to be Prisoner X. Um, cause I this, don't remember saying that. Maybe but... I saw that in like Cerebro or on Twitter and I'm just not like. Don't know I, who the fuck said I it. I definitely think it could be a Doug Sinister. sinister. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, that for would sure. be for sure. I just, yeah, I just don't think that this uh, Professor X is gonna, like, they can make anything for him to lead the X-Men in the next, uh, in the next incarnation. Like, I think it's gonna have to be an X-Men team that is either in opposition of Charles or acts, like, with him being gone. Well, it's kind of set up perfectly for Magneto to be oh, yeah, that the could be. Charles role in the next era with the resurrection happening at the same that time. That is entirely, um, and that would sell well. <laughs> yeah. And they're also and doing, they're doing that in the, in the cartoon. Ca- cartoon right now. Um, yeah, I, I think, like, the, the general pop culture understanding of Magneto has changed so much over the last, like, 20 years of, you know, People just being like, oh yeah, Magneto was right. And like, I think you can definitely sell that as like, and also it lets you (laughs) sell it as a brand new start. And like, here's why it's really cool and different, even though, you know, it's, it's happened before. And also it will read it, you know, it'll still be going back to the mansion probably, but like you can sort of sell it as that, as like, this is such a big change from what you think you know about the X Men. Doesn't Magneto has to, like, his own like house, House of M or whatever? House of M's some Scarlet Witch. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, um, okay. What House of M was uh, when the Scarlet Witch like granted everyone's wish and created an alternate universe, and then they had to stop it and return it to the real universe. And at the end of that is when she goes. No more mutants. Yeah, I know yeah. that part. And uh, the does, does Magneto have but... his own mansion, basically? Yes. <laughs> or would he have to uh, move into Charles's? He, he's had like a variety of different like spots. Like he's there was a, a um, Eternals like island he found that he lived on for a while. He's had multiple asteroid M. Yeah, asteroid M is so, what I was going to mention. <laughs> asteroid M is his 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 thing <laughs> most of the time. Like it could be, I'm just saying it could be going back to the mansion, but it's not that mansion, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Right, it's going back to the mansion, and now it's the Charles Xavier Memorial School. <laughs> you like, know what I love? Back from Jean, because <laughs> technically Juggernaut owns the mansion. Like legally, oh. Juggernaut has the rights to the mansion. Okay, <laughs> so he would be. Yeah. So I would love if Juggernaut was like the owner of the Landlord mansion Juggernaut. and the caretaker. <laughs> yeah, Landlord Juggernaut. Like, hey guys, come and live at my big house for free. I've gotten funny. really popular on Twitch for all the shit I beat up in the backyard. <laughs> Juggernaut and like Black Tom, like doing Twitch streamers stuff. They're they're doing British lads hitting each other with chairs. Like <laughs> Black Tom grows a chair out of wood yeah. so Juggernaut can hit him over the head, the back with it. Um the twist at the end of this one though, uh where Enigma approaches Moira and goes, They don't win, I win, let's talk. That's a That's good so fucking good. twist. Yeah. Yeah. And 
I, th- I think it feels it, it it's like bringing together Enigma and Moira as the two like biggest antagonists yeah. and yeah. like I I wonder if there's some sort of fusion <laughs> happens there or something that's just so like, funny to be in the other book with like Modok and uh, knockoff sinister being the and in this one, it's like Moira and like the the outside of time and everything Dominion. Well, it's like genuinely sometimes when we're like dogging on uh, like the writing in the other books, I feel bad because the writing in these books is just so yeah. good. It's hard to compare. <laughs> like it feels like Duggan is is picking up the strays left in the story by everyone else. Sometimes it started with House of X Powers of Ten, which was like great and ambitious so like this feels like this this feels like Gillen is like okay i'm gonna do what uh what hickman started i'm gonna do like you know something hickmanian that is still like my own thing but like like really like doing what the title promises <laughs> well and you don't feel any i don't think you we brought up going back to the mansion but i don't think you feel the going back to the mansion energy as much in uh rise as you do in fall like and i guess that's probably like lends to the titles but um it really does like when you're reading what duggan's writing in the other two books right now it really does feel like the 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 table setting is being put away you know it's like when people um get to the end of the escape room that I work <laughs> at, and they say, oh, we tried to put everything back where it was, and then it's somehow way more of a mess than the people that come out and are like, it's a huge fucking mess in there, dude. Sorry about it. Like, those people, always the cleanest. If you say they've cl- you've cleaned up after yourself, the messiest shit. And that's kind of like <laughs> what it feels like is happening right now. Kieran Gillen's burning down the entire universe, and somehow that'll make for any that'll it'll be an easier t- clean up than like just fucking about. Yeah, um, I have more things to say on this. The art in this one goes so hard. It's uh, uh, yeah, it's this is so why good. I was so hard on uh, on on Warnex art in the other one. Yeah, Werner's art was really good, but this blows it out of the water. <laughs> yeah, Arby Silver is firing on all cylinders here. Like, every, like, all conceptual, like, sci-fi thing that happens, he depicts it in what can I, what I can only assume is the best possible way to depict it. Like, no place outside of time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. The, the beacon page. The beacon yeah. page is incredible. Like the the thing where I was like, "Oh, this art is like necessary to this book." Is when the Arachno Sentinels get deployed because they are like weird space time spiders with like crown motifs on them, and I was like, "If this art was bad." I would hate that moment. That moment would look like terrible if the art was bad for it. The art rules and the moment works so well. Um well they're adding this spider motif while marrying um like the phalanx look and um what we've seen of Enigma so far and it looks yeah. so good. Yeah. 
it's uh, 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 any Rasputin force stuff in this issue, but especially uh, her fighting the Sentinels in this. Yeah, and it never feels like the scales are off, like in the other book, where it was like, why is... What size is Juggernaut supposed to be? <laughs> like, he, here, like, when something is big, it looks big in comparison to the other things. Um... They're, they're like three pages of, like, Krakoa stuff, or, you know, um, White Hot Room Krakoa. Like, the shot of the dead X-Men team, where they're all looking extremely cool, and most of them have sunglasses. Yes. And just hope, hope, hope in her, ga- still in her gala dress with a gun. Yeah. Fucking great. Oh, and then the next page that is just, just the art, and is just like, Shit's bad on Krakoa. We like we have lost hope, and the white hot room is dying because the phoenix is dying. And then that third page of just the the beacon of light of Krakoa in the middle of the white hot room, which is no longer white or hot, is like falling apart. Yeah. Is incredible. That that white hot room page where it's like four panels or like five panels, and the only text is like Jean like muttering. That's like another one of those things where if this was if this was Duggan, we would have so many captions. <laughs> I didn't want to say it, but yeah. Because there were, I didn't say it with the other one, with, with, with Fall of the House, but there were so many pages on this where I was like, this would be impactful if if it didn't like narrate the whole thing. Like when, uh, when Polaris does the distraction and it explains that Polaris didn't want to destroy the whole thing but she didn't want to get away get the fascists to get away either so that's why she did this we get it also okay wait sorry there's one in fall the house next there's also a bit where they're like yeah and they let everyone escape on purpose because uh they don't want to kill people when they're on panel killing people the entire rest of the issue yeah um and they have been doing it for the last few issues and these are the worst guys But whatever, never mind. Let's <laughs> the opposite to... energy of the first issue of Uncanny when uh, Monet and Quanon were like, let's just fucking kill all these guys. Um, another art note, uh, thanks to uh, the art of RB Silver, everyone being drawn in this issue is like minimum like a third more sexy than they are in other other comics. Like we Hot Charles is back. Um like Doug looks great. Yeah, I think Rachel looks Charles great. should stop being drawn hot. It's offensive <laughs> to me. There's like that that one panel where it's just like Rachel looking at like a little headshot of Jubilee and she looks so the good. J- Jubilee looks insanely well drawn in that drawing too. Like just in that orb, she's glowing in such a cool little way. Yeah. She just like is posed perfectly. <laughs> I like uh how Doug's design does like even hint to him being sinister. Like I Seeing Doug wear that jacket, it's not like, oh, Doug would never wear that. But knowing it's Sinister, it's like, no, Sinister would pick that jacket for Doug. Yeah. You know, like, that is such, like, a little, like, fashion choice that he would make versus, like, Doug's look in all the other books of this era where he's had, like, the pinned, like, lapel that goes across, you know? Yeah, he's got, like, the the high-collar, like, 
jacket stuff. with those big yeah those big the collar bits that are he, he also really sinister has facial expressions that like you you don't expect, expect from Doug yeah. yeah yeah and that like it works really well with the reveal um, I do think Rachel might be in part onto Charles's shit though because like when he's having that conversation with Rasputin it it does seem like she's raising her eyebrow in the background a hair and she she is also psychic right so she's also psychic i saw like but like i th- i don't think the psychics generally are hopping into each other's minds without it being like oh we yeah, all yeah, know true. you've yeah. hopped into our mind you know and it's also like charles the the best psychic defense on earth probably on rasputin uh, like genetically designed to psychically be impervious to Emma Frost, so like yeah, she was made. I for think this. they're they're fine. <laughs> yeah, I need to bring up one thing about Charles though, because uh, while while you were talking about how how hot he is, uh, I I had this, I had to pull up the or the first like issue of Immortal X Men where he has the beard, and this is very clearly dark brown. In in this, his beard is blonde, and it's not it's not yeah. like gone white. Like he's either dyeing it blonde or like psychically manipulating his hair growth. I guess maybe he can do that, but he's done something to his beard. Oh, do you want to know a headcanon I came up with for Charles that I think is very funny recently? Um, so he in the movies has a British accent, obviously, because he's played by Ian McKellen, right? Patrick Stewart. Um, yes, Patrick Stewart, the other one. Sorry, got him. <laughs> and then up. James McAvoy, also British. Yeah. Yes, but in the comics, he was mostly raised on Long Island, so presumably <laughs> he would actually have a Long Island accent, which is very funny. That's so. But yes. I've been uh, reading the books under the assumption that. Uh, Charles Xavier has a Long Island accent that he has been hiding yeah. the entire time behind a fake British accent. <laughs> I believe that. I do. It's, I, I do believe that So I that wouldn't be shocked like... if he's dyeing his beard blonde as well. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> he, he's doing the, like, mid-Atlantic accent or whatever it is, the one where it's, like, just... Oh, the, yeah. The, like the a, fake accent everyone used to have on the fancy Like a people. Dick Tracy-type accent, like, um, uh... Uh, do you want the moon, Mary? <laughs> my, Just say the word and I'll last My touchstone <laughs> on that is another Dick, uh, Dick Tremaine and Twin Peaks. Twin Peaks. Oh, yeah. Uh, the- I mean, I said Dick Tracy and then immediately did an interview of, uh, or an imitation of Jimmy Stewart <laughs> in a different, yeah, that was different quite, movie. Uh, I mean, I can't do a Dick, Dick Tremaine uh, from Twin Peaks. I, Dick I Tremaine is to those Stewart who don't uh, who, who uh, don't remember Twin Peaks as well is the character who shows up pretty late when the show becomes bad uh, and he's uh, oh, so he's after where I've watched you yeah, yeah 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 and he's just like this, this he's in a love triangle completely preposterous character who's doing yeah his like the other Lucy's what? past love interest and there's this whole drama yeah. who the dad of Lucy's child is. Um, See, Dick Tremaine is who I imagine Micromax is. <laughs> <laughs> 
I did, did, don't we, isn't Micromax, like, is, is Micromax British, though? Is he confirmed British? He is British. Yeah. He's actually, I think oh, he that, worked that, for, like, British that does make sense. secret intelligence. For doing and... that kind of accent, though. Like, that's, a British person would do that. Um, I'm gonna draw us back to Rise of the Powers of X. Um. Yeah, rein us in. <laughs> I think it's a very cool narrative thing, uh, and, like, uh, effectively, like using the the like Dominion powers stuff, uh, in that like um, Enigma just looks for the point that in time when Charles reappears again to find out how he finds him. Uh, like I just like it's it's a very like you know it's a it's a it's a timey. Thing and like, but it really, it really works for me to be like, oh, how is this like being outside of space and time going to find a thing that is also outside of space and time? It's like, well, look for the point when he gets found, and then therefore can find him. Um, yeah, as uh, I like that, I like how it's um. Parallel isn't the right word. It's playing in the same space that the Moira X stuff does, where you know what happens because you've lived through or lived into a version of it. Like you've you've seen a future and you can make a different one happen. Um, yeah, like you can, you have control of the time stream. You are playing by different rules than everyone else. Exactly. Um, yeah. And. Oh, yes. A similar thing in terms of art, in terms of that theme. Um, we get on the very first page, uh, the last panel um, is uh, uh, Enigma looking through some kind of doorframe or window uh, at Moira, uh, uh, divided into 12 window panels. Uh, like some kind of comic book pages. Uh, just some Watchmen stuff there, you know? Like, it's... Just just Kieran Gillen's favourite thing to do, talk about 9-panel or 12-panel grids. Yeah. It's, it, who, yeah, it's, um... It's, 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 I, 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 I always love to see it. I'll be honest. I'm a sucker for it. I'm like, hey, this is the comic layout in the comic. Wow. Yeah, I mean it's another it's a it's a David Lynch thing, it's a Twin Peaks thing, you're or a Brechtian thing. Yeah. The Brechtian yeah. is the word. You're drawing attention to the medium you're you're working with it. Yeah. You know? And also like using like the the signifiers of the medium to show like the the like uh uh otherworldly power of a like of a being like in this case Enigma like Enigma can see the panels of the comic before they happen. Much like it's in some ways the exact opposite of putting too much narration <laughs> on what you're writing because um, you are so cognizant of the fact that you're putting shit on a page. You are playing with the form, you know? You are putting up a, a comic book inside your comic in a place that you would have to know to look for the panel layout to, to even pick it up. And that's, that's very cool. Uh, on, on the page after that as well there's just the, the 
Jean Grey uh, skin flushes her, she faces her first annihilation and the part of her that eats stars and dominions steps closer. There's There's been so much the Phoenix kills dominions that I'm starting to think that it's a red herring and the Phoenix will not be <laughs> the thing that defeats the dominion. I do think it's like, that's that's probably Rachel's plan is involve the Phoenix um, in some way. But I'm I'm st- I, I'm I'm getting turned around, and I don't believe it anymore. Yeah, I do. Um, I have it noted down here as Phoenix eating Dominion's mansion. It's the the it these because like especially when we're in Rise of the Powers of that, where like the first issue twisted twisted and turned the concept that I thought the whole series was going to be into something different. I'm like ah. Uh, Hints are being dropped. Are these hints here to like set up the execution of this, or as you said, Kiwi, like to turn around and be like, actually, no, <laughs> a different thing. I mean, I can completely see. I could. I. I think probably next issue is gonna turn around the concept a bit again. Like when we get to the uh, Moira childhood execution. Yes. Yeah. Um. Uh, yeah, and like on the Phoenix thing, it would be so funny if X Men Forever then was just not about the Phoenix. Uh, I I do think it will be. I'm like I'm not. Uh, yeah, it's just uh, it's it's been mentioned a few too many times. <laughs> um, do we have any last thoughts on Rise of the Powers of X? Wolverine's on next week's cover. Stabbing Doctor Stasis or threatening no, that's, Doctor that's Stasis. for House. Oh, that's yeah, because oh, they do the thing, the thing like at the end of four, the... they had the cover for this. Yes, one, yeah. okay, that's okay. I was like, wow, Wolverine's so, on all the covers. No, the but next, I'm, I'm the next cover is the one where they point <laughs> the gun at the young Moira. Oh, okay. That'll be cool. <laughs> well, Victor Laval got there first. Yeah, true. <laughs> Uh, th- this is great. I I'm I'm so so high on Rise of the Power of X. Uh, I'm so looking forward to all the rest of it. Yeah, I don't think she is. Uh, <laughs> this is not twelve year old Moira though. Like she looks. Yeah, they've gone for a more iconic image. Yeah, this is like know. the Moira that we met in. Um... House of X2 or whatever that one was. Yeah. Okay, what else have you guys been reading that you want to shout out before we sign off? Yeah, I got something where I, I think I need to show this one because it's a bit hard to talk about. So I've been reading, I'm not quite done yet, but most of the way, like th- three quarters of the way through... Rusty Brown by Chris Ware. This is a huge book. I got it from the library, luckily. Uh, and it's uh, kind of one that you need to read in physical form because it's like it has this very weird format, right? Like it's uh, it's this unusual format, and the panel layouts in this are so insane. Like when when Holly talked about the panel layouts, I was like, oh, they got a lot. Like. He, he he does this like ge- these geometrical layouts where he has like these squares and then even smaller squares and those have even tinier squares in them. 
Oh, that's really cool. So it's uh, yeah, I mean it's it's. I mean Chris Ware is like one of those like cartoonists who are like he's so unique and uh, singular. Uh, the the content itself is very very sad. It's uh, it's like loosely based around these cast of characters who are all connected to like one particular school, and then sometimes it's about like just the kids sometimes about the teachers and it goes like back and forth in time uh and all of these people just have like really sad lives <laughs> um <laughs> it is like so, sometimes really sometimes tough to read because of the content sometimes tough to read because some of the panels are so small uh but it's like genuinely like if you have a library where they have it it is it is worth checking it out yeah. I genuinely, if you read comics, recommend get a magazine. <laughs> Hell yeah. I have one for what I'm reading. <laughs> um, I want to shout out World Tree. I'm cheating. Yano brought it up last week and then I went and read it. But uh I bought the first volume and it's really good. I also caught up on um uh fish flies, so I've just been in uh James uh, Tinian. Fish flies isn't uh, Tinian. Tinian, that's uh, that's Jeff Lemire. Oh, the shit. other guy who it's does Jeff who Lemire. ships out I... like a f- ton of comics constantly. Like, yeah, I promise, listeners, I'm trying to learn all the names, but I'm so bad at names, and there's so many, and I'm reading at if a rate that I cannot. Into a comic store, like genuinely like a third of the things you'll see are gonna be Jeff Lemire or James Tinian because both of them are just like yeah, yeah, no, that just like sense. ridiculously prolific. <laughs> Yeah, um, but I I I think World World Tree slaps. It's like about what if um there wasn't just an internet but an undernet, and what if that undernet was hell's internet kind of, um, and what happens when you fuck with things beyond your like understanding in your own world? And it's it's very cool. Um, I guess I'll also just. Shout out Rare Flavors as well. Did you bring yeah. that up as a recommendation a few episodes ago, Janos? Because I read that and that Ram V wrote it. It slaps. Yeah. The, um, it's so beautiful. Right, like the colors um, are so good. The colors are so good, Um, which is about um like an ancient entity who like wants to be a Netflix food documentarian and that it, it, it rules. <laughs> yeah, a... So just, yeah, I'm, I guess I'm in. I'm recommending World Tree, but I'm recommending indie comics as a whole <laughs> at the same time. Yeah, these are all like these are all like coming out like right now still. Like Yes, yes. They're, these are all currently um being released. Series Fish Flies, World there's Tree. An upcoming, and I, rare. I flavors. forget what the title is, but there's one comic Ram V is like has been uh teased that's gonna come out soon where he sold it as uh as what if Arrival, like the movie Arrival, had kaiju? <laughs> so that's like <laughs> that's awesome. Really cool uh, pitch. It looks. Oh yeah, it's called Ramvi's run on Detective Comics at the minute. It's yeah. pretty good, and the, the artists are oh incredible yeah, there's some really cool in that. I can't remember who. Like, there's a few different people, and they're all so good Dawn Runner is the, t- yeah. is the is the one I was thinking of that's uh, coming out like next month yeah nice um, 
Me, I've been reading uh, the Atlas Complex, which is the third book in. I think it's called the Atlas Blakely series, but it's it's like not a superhero book, but it is intrinsically linked to superheroes in my mind because uh, there was a period where I just read X Men for like three months straight when I was catching up on. House and Powers, and then I read the first book in this series right after, and it's about like modern fantasy, like magic stuff. And if you just did a find replace of like magic with mutant, it would, it could be an X Men book with the numbers filed off, because it's about um, basically six people get recruited to join a society, and they are the six most powerful like magic users of they're of of this decade basically um and they're all brought to this mansion where they're working with a the head archivist who is a telepath um and there's like the six people are like um or it's like this world where like magic exists and is like a part of society for the past like 60 or 70 years basically and like these are people who are so powerful that they just like kind of break the rules in ways that like they it it has like altered how they interact with the world in in really like interesting ways like you know one of the, one of the people is a really powerful telepath and it's like she has known all her life what people are thinking about her and how that fucks you up and the other one is a really powerful like emotion manipulator and he's all fucked up because you can't like control people's emotions from the age of three and not have that like screw you up um and then there's like another guy it's like basically everyone in this world uses illusions all the time as like cosmetics and like for a bunch of different stuff like advertising and like all this shit and his thing is, like, nobody actually thinks he's very powerful, but he can just, like, see through any illusion magic without, like, any effort or anything, which just, like, breaks <laughs> breaks the system, kind of. Um, and it's just, like, a, a bunch of, like, people who are so powerful as to basically be super superhuman um, within their world, and they're, like in this weird mansion and there's a mystery and they're trying to figure out what the what's up with this society they've been asked to join basically which is kind of the illuminati um and it's very fun just like a bunch of people being like messy and horny and like also hating each other half the time and it's like i haven't finished the last book but i feel like when I finished the second one, I was like, all right, either this series ends with, like, a big polycule or with, like, the, the universe <laughs> being destroyed. And, like, I can't tell which way it's going. I mean, that's a very X-Men ending. Is this yeah. prose or is this a comic? Uh, it's it's book, yeah, prose. Um, okay. I was just wondering. Yeah. Um, I think it was, like, web, uh, like, an online fiction thing that got a publishing deal. Um, and it has it has a sort of fan fiction y vibe to how it's written, um, sometimes, uh, which is cool. 
Yeah. Atlas six. Good. Um, all I've been reading apart from X-Men, uh, is Dungeon Mashy. Um, ev ev everyone, everyone knows about Dungeon Mashy now. It doesn't need me to recommend it. <laughs> it's I have my, my little collection over yeah, there. It's, uh, Dungeon Mashy rules. It's not my recommendation this time, because although I do recommend it. Um, but yesterday I watched a film called Promare, which no doubt some of you have heard of, um, which was animated by the people who were doing the Dungeon Meshi anime, uh, Studio Trigger, um, and Promare kicks ass. It is one of the best looking anime films I have ever seen. There's... There's like mutants with firepowers, there's big mechs, there's everything you could want, and the colours are incredible. Um, it's, it's such a good film, it's such a good time to watch. Um, and uh, I only just watched it after having been meaning to watch it for years, and I, I, need to, I need to own it, I need to go and get a DVD of it. Like, I must have this at will. It's so good. I've been meaning to watch it as well, and then I, when I finally sat down to watch it, was like when I had like my, I think my second COVID vaccine. So I was just like so fucking sleepy that I just like <laughs> couldn't focus on it. So I still haven't finished it. I, I I laughed when you mentioned colors because I went to see that in the cinema, and they had a little message from like the director at the start or something. Uh, or it's like I, like director and writer or something, and obviously it's subtitled from Japanese. But it, it, I, I very distinctly remember there's a bit where he's just like, "I hope you enjoy the colors." <laughs> I was like, the colors. Hell I, uh, yeah, I did. I saw a talk by a couple of the artists that work at Trigger while I was in college, and um, very cool. they they said they described like their work as junk food, <laughs> um, which is crazy because they're some of the best working animators out there like their studio puts out some of the most impressive impressive animation there is yeah but it's so fun to to think about it like they just like are throwing themselves at it in a way they think is purely and fun I, a lot of the you, time would you say you were you were triggered when they said that uh, <laughs> yeah yeah i was activated for sure <laughs> i was little witch academia when they said that i should mention uh, I forgot to I forgot to say my other recommendation, which is uh, this little movie called Madame Web. <laughs> <laughs> it's how Web connects us all. Yeah, I'm a, I'm boycotting the Oscars. <laughs> Madame Web didn't get any of the nominations. I'm, I'm boycotting Dune too because it's taking away the IMAX screen from, from Madame Web. Madame yeah, Web. Oh shit! Dune too soon. Oh. Yeah, I'm pro probably actually yeah. going to go see that on, like, Monday yeah, or something. Ka Caroline's <laughs> going to be here yeah. when it comes out, so we're going to go see that together. Oh, I'm just see some desert power. I'm just bummed out because I, I made a letterbox list of, like, my favorite movies of the year, and currently it's only Madame Web. 
on it and once i watch dune i'm gonna have to add it on there they'll either rank it below which would also be funny i think maybe i just like leave madame webb as default number one no matter what i think of the other movies um okay thank you guys for listening to hated and feared uh we have been uh holly what is our intro music our intro music is welcome to my island by carolyn polachek uh, who has a uh, deluxe, extended, whatever they call it these days, edition of of the album that Welcome to My Island is on, uh, out on Spotify and probably physical at some point. Um, it's ju- It's got some more songs by Caroline Polachek on it. Always a good time, in my opinion. Um, good album. Uh, uh, Kiwi, where can people reach us? Uh, hatedxfeared at gmail.com yeah Yeah. and on our tumblr at hatedxfeared.tumblr.com and at some point we'll have other emails do you get any emails it's really not a priority for us i'm gonna shit myself (laughs) when i actually get an email from someone because it has not happened yet Uh (laughs) right to say should we uh, we give out like some prize to whoever writes us the first email like not any physical, just You're like the a first friend of the show, anything. probably. <laughs> yeah, we'll shout you out. I mean, we're gonna read the email. Yeah, we'll talk about it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we're gonna read your email. Yeah, and yeah. I gonna... mean, Andy did. Andy, so far, Andy sent me a DM Doesn't on count. Discord, and that's the closest Doesn't we've count. gotten to an email. <laughs> if you if you send us an email, first first person who sends us an email, we, we, we it gets the executive producer credit on this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um. Next time, we're probably going to be talking about Wolverine 44, Invincible Iron Man 15, Resurrection of Magneto 2, Dead X-Men 2, we'll breeze through Cable 2, um, X-Men 32, yeah, we whole Ultimate load X-Men of bullshit. 1, and Miss Marvel Mutant Menace 1. <laughs> Ultimate so we'll X-Men and Miss Marvel. Yeah, that's the we got a whole, whole load of bullshit the next two weeks, but we do also get Resurrection of Magneto and Ultimate X-Men, so... Yeah. Yeah, there's There's going to be, I think, there. yeah, we can skip... Um, Cable and probably Iron Man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but we have to see what rate, happened to Fate Long. Ah, uh, that's if, true. Please rate us on i iTunes or whatever. Uh, give us a one star rating with a really <laughs> Don't do review. that. Give us five um, stars, please. Give us just five stars. five stars. I've never rated a podcast. No, you can't give us a mean Apple review ever. as long as you give us five stars. Yeah. <laughs> all those stars. Uh, um. As, uh, as we always thank say you for listening. when we sign off, her web connects us I mean, all. As we have always said, <laughs> her web connects us all. Her web connects us all. Alright, recording now. You're Mr. Sinister, a friend of Charles Xavier. <laughs>
Bye.